Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone. Happy Friday and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis, where it's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Brooke Grimsley wearing the hoodie. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us. Good morning, kids. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I missed uh, the fancy memo this morning. You were very oh. well dressed today, well, Randy. I, I just have come to grips with the fact that in 2024, we are going to be on YouTube every single day on mm. our Air Alliance team YouTube channel. You can go to 101 ESPN STL and find it on YouTube and watch us every day. And Brooke, I just decided, you know what? The, the peeps deserve more. The peeps deserve to have oh, wow. Randy dressed up. So uh, every day for the rest of this week, I'm dressing up for the first week of 2024. And I want to show people that I have a jacket and a shirt and a button-down oh. shirt. So yeah, that's that's where yeah. I'm going. What What is today? Yeah, what is today again? Friday. <laughs> oh, okay. So the, the week, the week conveniently wrapping up, where you don't have to do this again. <laughs> I will say that um, I, if you walk up and down our hallways uh-huh. many days, I dress like Jay Wright relative oh. to some of the people that walk up and down our, high, our hallways. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what are you trying to say, Randy? Everybody, you mean everybody else isn't in three-piece suits I'm, in the morning? I'm just saying. At least I wear collared shirts. <laughs> sometimes. Not every day. I didn't yesterday, okay? But sometimes. Sometimes. No, it's, it's, you know what, Randy? That's the great thing about radio. I've told you before. When I was a kid doing internships, yeah. the thing, and Matthew, you'll appreciate the thing that swung me from TV to radio is I hate wearing ties. Mm. I'm not a dress-up guy at all. I, I'm not a clothes horse by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, I, I think you and I probably share that, Matthew. You probably oh. would make it, you'd make a decision based upon whether you have to wear a tie or not, right? Oh, no. I, I, actually, I, I love wearing oh, suits. He, he, it's, it's actually something does. I've loved since I was a kid. It's it's what It was the only thing when I was younger that I actually, like, usually, I would just, like, I didn't care about my clothes, but, like, uh-huh. I, I knew, like, I wanted to make sure, like, I had a nice suit and some ties ready to roll That's that if cool. I needed to go to, like, a dance or something like that, I had options, so I actually like wearing sh- shirts and ties. I, I own three <laughs> like suits. I, I, I own three suits. I, okay. own, I own a grossly overweight suit, just a regular weight suit, and an underweight suit. And they're all black. <laughs> it's very versatile. I'm very jealous about that with men because I feel like you guys can, and you can get a little bit fancier with the ties and the undershirt, all the different kind of stuff. For women, I remember in TV, if I wore a dress accidentally, you know, I wore it one week and then the next. I would get an email about it. The comments wow. constantly. Now, if a man didn't wear a tie on TV, Randy, that would cause a ton of emails. I remember Corey Stark, you know, Corey mm-hmm. Stark over there yeah. on Channel 4. If he wouldn't wear a tie, and sometimes it's nice, like on a Friday, just a little, real, little relaxed, like no tie, people would lose their really? minds I think, about it. I think Corey has gone cash. On, well, not cash, but he doesn't wear a tie all the time. Yeah, so uh, you notice 50, it. Oh, yeah, totally, they try yeah. to do like a little casual Friday like every it. once My in a while. My thing now is yeah. I, I askew the tie more often and go no tie. But always, always little, little pocket square. 
Got to have the oh, pocket. That's impressive. Gotta, that's gotta gotta have like the pocket, pocket square, square going for you. Here's what we have coming up on the show. Jay Delsing's going to join us at the bottom of this hour. A lot of stuff from Rory McIlroy this week. Joe Vitale with his weekly Friday visit. Plus, Post-Dispatch Cardinal beat writer Derek Gould coming up at 9.15. The Blues with a 2-1 win over the top team in the West last night. The Vancouver Van Blanking Cooper Canucks. I just can't figure the Blues out. Is this the best win of the year? Is this is this her best win of the year, guys? It's another come from behind win. So that's their third of the season. Yeah. There's something they've, there, they've had right? Some good wins. I think so. It's. I mean, this is the Stars win because I mean, the, the Blackhawks win is a huge come from behind win, but they're not a great talented mm-hmm. team. Vancouver is one of the best teams in the entire league. Dallas, Dallas, is, yes. Dallas is probably this is the second best team in your in your division behind one of the best Colorado. teams in the league in, the, in Colorado. So yeah, I'd say this is right up there with, with the Dallas win as as the best of the season so far. And you're going against the team with the best record in the West, the team that's the highest scoring team in the mm-hmm. NHL by a pretty significant margin. By the way, their shooting percentage, the Vancouver's shooting percentage is outrageous. They lead the league in goals, but they're like 20th in shots. It's unbelievable. Wow. I, I can't... So that's a lot of puck luck? The, the puck luck, yeah. The Dom decision will give them no chance in the playoffs. Anyway, Connor Garland <laughs> from, from the athletic uh, uh, Dom decision, who uh, oh. he's, he's been right a couple of times. I don't, I don't want to talk about okay, him, Randy, because he, he kind of predicted a lot of well, things about the Blues. Let's talk about our Blues then. Connor Garland scoring 157 into the game on Vancouver's first shot of the game. one nothing after a period, but 422 into the second. One of our guys stepped up. Perunovic now to the near side. Thomas into the middle to Butchnevich. He dropped it off to Cairo. Back to Thomas to the far wing. Perico scores! Colton Perico! 15.38 to go. Second period. Tie game. 1-1 here in St. Louis. Love that call. Perico's seventh of the year and set up on a beautiful feed by Robert Thomas. Robbie, Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. We are very excited oh, I told, about I forgot Robert to Thomas. That he's coming on the show too. I, I would, yeah, yeah he's coming on the show. I, 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 he was Our NHL All Star, Randy. NHL All Star, Robert Thomas, making his first All Star appearance. And one of the things that All Stars do is in a tie game in the third period, they step up for you. Up to Kairou now with Thomas. Kairou tries to leave before Butch Navich has to reach back for it. It's the defenseman coming on. Perunovic to Thomas. He scores. Jordan Bennington would make that stand, and the Blues would win it by a score of 2-1 to one over Vancouver. And uh, guys, coming off the two-game losing streak against good teams, it was uh, Colorado, it was Pittsburgh last week, and now after the break, Drew Bannister said they needed a couple of days just to kind of decompress. They mm-hmm. did, and uh, the reason I say I can't figure this out, I guess we just have to wait for the rest of this stretch. But I like what I see. I, I, since the coaching change, even with the losses, aside from the Tampa Bay loss, I like everything I've seen. I like everything that I see too, Randy. And it, it does still feel like you're kind of tiptoeing into being fully excited about things, right? You mm-hmm. want to be really excited. You have to give them credit for everything they've done. This is now the sixth win under Drew Bannister. Whatever Drew Bannister is doing message-wise, it is actually resonating with the players. And that's what you want to see. That's what Army said when he made this coaching change, right? Is that he felt like the message wasn't working 
with Craig Berube anymore. The message obviously had gone stale. It wasn't translating on the ice. And now with Drew Bannister, his approach seems to be working with the Blues. I thought it was interesting last week when we talked to Robert Thomas. He kind of pointed out some of the differences and he brought up with Drew Bannister, I guess his approach with pointing out things and having video evidence to back it up. Mm -hmm. And maybe not as much of the yelling approach. We've kind of talked about that with these younger players that maybe they need a different style of coach. And whether you like it or not, either way, you like the results that you're seeing right now from the team. Yep. And Bobby Tommy, by the way, Robbie Tommy, uh, 36 Robbie even Tommy. strength. This is a good stat from Matthew. 36 even strength points in 37 games. He's top five in the entire NHL in that stat. He only has, as you might expect from a blue, only five total power play points. But uh, he's, he's <laughs> terrific five on five. And Pareko led all defenders last night with three shots. The defense has stepped up. That's mm-hmm. another thing under Bannister is offensive, offensively, because we're talking hockey, the defensemen have stepped up and Neighbors with eight shots to lead all skaters. Jake Neighbors is also a really, really exciting player to see. I mean, the way that he, it's his attitude as and well. he's skilled. Everything oh, that he's able to do, obviously, helps the team. But then I think his attitude and approach to things, he's just a very gritty player. He is... Uh, the quintessential St. Louis blue. He's yes. a hard worker. He's good on both ends of the ice. I think he's reaching that point now, Brooke, where with as much as he's scoring and the effort and the, the fact that he's becoming a f- fan favorite, we might have to start be, start calling him Neighbors. Oh. N-E-I-G-H-B-O-U-R-S, Neighbors. Yeah, yeah. Because that's how they say it in Canada. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Neighbors, yeah. <laughs> That's, that's how they go about it over there, <laughs> it is, yeah. up there. Yep. I guess I should say so, up there. Yeah, until he's old. <laughs> but oh. Robert Thomas, too. I'm so excited for Robert Thomas. First NHL All-Star for him to be able to get this, and obviously he deserves it. But that was the Robert Thomas game for me last night. And Robert Thomas has stepped up. And we talked about this last year, how he was an ascending player on the defensive end. And that was a big complaint about both he and Kairou. Well, Drew Bannister talked last night, and he didn't have Robert Thomas before this <laughs> stretch as the Blues head coach. He talked about Robert Thomas playing the 200-foot game. There's just a lot of maturity. Like, I think he's he's becoming a more mature professional hockey player and understanding what he needs to do as a player uh, to give our team an opportunity of success. And it's I think the, the offensive side comes very easy to him. Um, obviously, he has to work at it, but he sees the ice so well, um, you know, He's shooting the puck a lot more, like he's built that into his game. The defensive side for for you know any skilled hockey player is always you know that that seems to be the always the the one thing that kind of lags a little bit, you know, in timing. But I think with with Robbie, like he he we're starting to see him really mature into you know a, a really good two way hockey player here that can be relied on. You know, it's interesting about those comments as I listen to it. When we would ask Keith Kachuk what Robert Thomas ultimately could be, he said he could be Patrice Bergeron, who is a great defender, regular Selkie Award winner, reliable on both ends of the ice. Mm -hmm. And when you hear that description, you you could apply that to Patrice Bergeron. Maybe that's where Robert Thomas is headed. Maybe Big Walt, who kind of knows hockey, maybe he was right about that one. Uh, Yeah, I think that Big Walt does know a thing or two about hockey. So Thomas continues to improve. You have to be really excited about where he's at. And you talked about those numbers that Matthew was able to bring up there. I think it's safe to say that Robert Thomas is elite, Randy. Oh, yeah, he is. We're putting him in that elite category. No, you don't want to, Rock? Not yet. We're just going to be cautious? No, it was that uh, Grant Francis, who uh, obviously does a great job with our our pregame show and everything, threw out a stat yesterday because Bannister mentioned that he's getting that – 
Robert Thomas is shooting the puck a lot more. And Grant put out a stat really quick. I'm going to find it on Twitter that this year, at this time last year, he had about 30 less shots on goal than he has this year. Wow. I mean, he yeah. he really is starting to put the puck on net more. Let me get the exact numbers for you in a second. Okay. And Connor Bedard, also named to the All Star team, the Blackhawks young superstar, becomes the youngest NHL All Star ever. And the Blues' young players continue to succeed at the World Juniors. Jimmy Snuggerud in USA playing for the gold medal today. Oh, I sent it to you guys last night. Jimmy Snuggerud, his shot. Oh, man. Oh. Did you see what I sent back to you? Yes. That I have owned for many years. And I don't know if you saw this, Matthew. A Blues Snuggie. The marketing yep. opportunity here, Randy. You put Jimmy's face on a Snuggie, a Blues Snuggie, and oh, sell those? Doctor. Yes. Yeah. Here's There's the, a huge opportunity there. Here's the exact numbers. Through 35 games, and then again, this is from 101 ESPN's Grant Francis on Twitter. Uh, Robert Thomas, through 35 games last season, had 49 shots on goal. Through 35 hit games this season, he was at 76 shots on wow. goal. So again, just about a 30-goal difference, almost 50% more than last year, or 100% more. And it's interesting, because we, we asked him about it for the first half of last season, too. Why don't you shoot more? And now mm-hmm. he is shooting more. He's got a great shot. Interesting news from the Cardinals yesterday. Big news. Uh Billy Joel and Sting are coming in <laughs> that's, concert. That's what you want to talk about, Randy, huh? Yeah. So uh, thanks to a, a, a friend of the show, John Shu, who sent me a really nice note on uh, on the Facebook, and uh, I really do appreciate that, John. And uh, and I did, by the way, he mentioned that I was going to the press conference not just to uh, find out about the concert and see our mutual friend Joe Buck and talk to Bill DeWitt III and just had a great time over there. But I did enjoy the free food. The Cardinals know how to turn out food now. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, people uh, and John wasn't totally thrilled with the fact that I was going to enjoy some of the Cardinals free food. I, I think he called you a scumbag for yeah. getting the free food. Yeah, but th- that's fine. <laughs> But because at times I am, you know, you guys have both witnessed it, right? I can't oh, be. No. But uh, anyway, the, I'm excited about the concert because Vicki Bryant, who does a sensational job over there of yes. scheduling the concerts. I was talking to Vicki and th- that's her favorite artist, too. It's my favorite artist and her favorite artist. So we're excited about having Billy Joel come to town. Tickets on sale one week from today. Tickets on uh, tickets not on sale. Tickets available mm. for winter warm up autographs today. At uh, Just go to Cardinals.com. Now, the other thing about the Cardinals is that will Tommy Edmond be able to sign autographs at the winter warm-up? Oh, yeah. That was the news that I was thinking that you were about to drop <laughs> first when you're talking about the big Cardinals announcement. Not that <laughs> Billy Joel and Sting aren't a big deal. Very excited. You know, even though I was trying to say that Adam Wainwright maybe was opening <laughs> for Luke Bryan. I was just throwing that out there. At Cardinals, if you use that, give me some credit on that. But, yeah, Tommy Edmond apparently... Had to get wrist surgery, so that was a little bit confusing because, Randy, typically if you have an end-of-the-season press conference, that's something you could address yeah. at that point, right? Yeah, and, and I thought that I had heard that it was said that everything was fine health-wise this off, for the off-season for the Cardinals. Yeah, and you, you just wonder, because we didn't get that communication, like Nolan Arenado didn't finish the season. He finished on the, yes. the IL. So how serious was his injury? Mm-hmm. What are what are some of the other injuries uh, for players that didn't finish the season? That is, you're right, one of the aspects, that level of communication from the organization in communicating with their customers. Uh, and, and, hey, it's off-season surgery. We don't have to know that, but it'd just be nice to know. Underwent arthroscopic surgery on his right wrist in October. More on that and uh, what the Cardinals are looking at in the National League now with one of the big moves that's been made over the last couple of days by one of their chief 
competitors for the National League pennant. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke and Randy, and yesterday the Atlanta Braves, after acquiring Chris Sale from the Boston Red Sox earlier this week, signed him to a two-year contract extension worth $38 million. They were getting $17 million from the Red Sox anyway in the trade. And they've been able to get him under contract. And, Brooke, I love the approach that the Braves are taking here. And we've talked a lot about how that might be the Cardinal model when you have as many good young players as the Cardinals have. Maybe take the approach that the Braves have and get everybody under contract. Well, Charlie Morton has talked about retirement. He's going to be 40 this offseason mm-hmm. or after this season. Uh, Max Freed is a free agent after this season. He's going to be 31 and has a lot of miles and a lot of injury issues. Not that Chris Sale hasn't, but... I really like watching the proactivity of Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves front office. Now, I'll preface this by saying that I think Chris Sale is a gamble, but it's a gamble a franchise like Atlanta can afford to take. I don't think the Cardinals, especially with where they are, and we are going to change their approach from a business standpoint. They aren't going to be in business to lose money. I don't think with the issues that they have, not issues, but with the age of their starters right now. I don't think Chris Sale is a gamble worth taking for the Cardinals. 31 starts over four years before last season. And I expect him to get hurt again. I I would be a little bit disappointed, actually, if the Cardinals had acquired Chris Sale the exact same way the, Reds, uh, the, the Braves did and then signed him to that extension, because I would be worried about his ability to take the ball every fifth day. A hundred percent, you would be. But I think that there's a lot of things to really look at with the Braves that you would say, okay, maybe there is some stuff here that the Cardinals could model after. What is a way that you think that the Cardinals could at least now take away some lessons from the Braves? The biggest thing is get your young players under contract. Yes. If you're concerned about about future payrolls have cost certainty. The Braves have done that with, if I'm not mistaken, all eight of their starting players. They signed Michael Harris Jr. They've got Acuna under contract. No, no, they don't have left field right now. But they've got Riley under contract. They've got Arcia under contract. They've got Albies under contract. They've got Olsen under contract. They've got two catchers under contract. Plus, Spencer Strider is signed for the long term, too. I would love to see the Cardinals take that approach and say, okay, Michael Harris Jr. are the second signed after his first year of play. And it's not like the Cardinals haven't done this, Mm -hmm. but be proactive with people like Wynn and Jordan Walker. Yes. And Brendan Donovan and, and Yvonne Herrera. And if you're confident in your scouting ability, get those guys under contract so that you know how much you're going to spend for them in 2027. Well, and I think that's interesting, too, because when we talk about sometimes how the Cardinals overestimate some of their talent and their value, it also seems like they undervalue it in that way by not trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to lock them up a little bit earlier before these contracts. It doesn't look like it's going to slow down. When you're talking about Scott Boris, we talked with Greg Amsinger yesterday. Scott Boris is so powerful now that he has basically just dictated how free agency has gone this past offseason. So why not work way ahead of it for these young players before they can even get to that point? I know that a lot of them will have that agent representation anyways, but I'm just saying before these big giant contracts, they're only going to get bigger, right, Right. Randy? Because there's no way that all of a sudden that the Players Association, which Major League Baseball, their Players Association is so good, is all of a sudden going to be like, no, we need to put a cap to this, Mm -hmm. or there's going to be a floor to this. They're never going to agree to any of that. 
So let's spin this forward then. The Dodgers go out, trade for Tyler Glass now, sign him to an extension. Mm -hmm. The Braves go out, trade for Chris Sale, sign him to an extension. You mentioned to me that Ken Rosenthal has a piece up at The Athletic this morning. Why don't the Cardinals take this approach with a starting pitcher who has shown himself to be a stud? Dylan Cease. Ken Rosenthal saying that the Cardinals have at least moderate interest? It does seem like it. So let me pull back up the story here for you. So Ken Rosenthal put on an article last night, you can go see it, where he's talking about Dylan Cease in the market right now. And he says that teams who have the most sincere interest include the Orioles, and I believe it was the Red Sox as well. But then he also put the Cardinals in the list of teams who are interested in Dylan Cease. I think it makes a lot of sense. One, whether it works out or not, I do like the fact that the Cardinals are in this conversation. Randy, we talked about that. Mm -hmm. It would be crazy. They wouldn't be doing their due diligence if they were not in this conversation for Dylan Cease. Now, what exactly that will look like is going to be the biggest thing there. Well, there are a couple of things. Number one, it would be foolish on the part of the Orioles, who love their prospects and whose owner has said we won't be able to keep our young players because financially we can't do so. Unless the Orioles have changed their tune over the course of the last four months, Mm -hmm. because he said that in August, Angelos did, we won't be able to keep our young players. That wouldn't be a very sensible trade on their part. It seems like they are still in the draft and develop stage. You'd hope that with the Dodgers giving up two good prospects to get class now, that they wouldn't be able to match a Cardinals offer. And the Red Sox, I don't know what they're doing. They they trade sale and they sign Giolito. And they get a prospect, a young second baseman, that they're going to play Von Grissom at second base. It would cease as a number one starting pitcher, unless uh, unless they think okay, they believe that Sale isn't going to be able to pitch for them. They're going to have to sign Cease to an extension too. Why not sign? Cease is a lot younger than Chris Sale. I Mm -hmm. get it, but when are you trying to win? If you're if you're the Red Sox, so my point would be the Cardinals would seem to be the team that has the greatest need for Dylan Cease, among those that you mentioned. Also the Yankees as a part mm-hmm. of the conversation as well, which they also need. It seems like that they were fully all in on trying to get Yamamoto, and that fell by the wayside. Mm-hmm. So now they're probably having their focus more on Dylan Cease. This is a huge opportunity, I feel like, for the Cardinals, and I'm at least encouraged in this article that the Cardinals are part of this conversation. But do you think that there's a point where the Cardinals do have a puke point when it comes to Dylan Cease? I hope that they make themselves puke, whatever that puke. That's point what we might were be. expecting this yeah. offseason, right? Right. And here's the thing, and I know there's a lot of fans. It's really polarizing to talk about Nolan Gorman, but the Cardinals have the one chip that nobody else has. None of these teams have a young slugger like Gorman to put in a deal for a number one starter. And I know that it's really hard to find hitters. Everybody's always looking for hitters. But the hardest thing to find, as we know all too well here in St. Louis, is a a number one starter that can take the ball for you every every fifth day, and you can call it win day. And that's what Dylan Cease is. What do you think about, because this is an argument I see a lot with Dylan Cease, with what happened with him last year, and we've said this over and over again, that the White Sox were just a giant dumb Dumpster fire, And of course, it affected a lot of the players, including Dylan Cease. For the people who think that Dylan Cease is not an ace or that he could be in the front of your rotation. He has been already. He's done it. I, I, a I, lot we, of people think yeah. that he's he, he's not an ace for some reason. Right? No, he, he everybody within the sport thinks he is. I know there might be fans that think he's not, but yes. everybody within the sport thinks he is. He walks in here as the number one starter and. All due respect, which is deserved to Lynn Gibson, 
Sonny Gray, but you're going to have a different feeling Nolan Arenado. Nolan Arenado will walk through that door in Jupiter dancing if Dylan Cease <laughs> is on the roster. 100%. Same, same yeah. with Goldie, right? Yeah. Same, same with uh, Tommy Edmond. Those guys will, and by the way, the coaching staff too, they will go bananas if Dylan Cease is on their roster. 25 years old, yeah. two years of control, being able to have that, because here's the thing, is being able to bring in that kind of starting pitcher, because there's still some question marks, right? We hope that Zach Thompson, say if an injury haps- happens, that he can really improve and step into that role as a starter. There's a lot of things that you hope for. Dylan Cease adds another level of security where you feel better about going into the season. And so... He, the Cardinals are listed as uh, an also-ran right now, but for better, lack of a better term, right, by Rosenthal. He's got Yankees-Orioles 1-2 as what was yes. his sincere interest, right? So he has, for sincere interest that has been expressed, he has the Yankees and Orioles. And then, while the exact list of suitors is unknown, or not known, excuse me, it's uh, he has in here the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Red Sox are among teams possibly in the mix. So hopefully that guy will wind up being on our side. That'd be great. I think that changes the entire dynamic of the franchise. Really, that changes the entire yeah. off-season conversation. It, it, it really does, because that makes the Cardinals, even if the Cubs re-sign Bellinger and Stroman, if they bring those two back, if Dylan Cease is on this team, mm-hmm. the Cardinals are the favorites in the Central. I won't say prohibitive, but the Cardinals automatically become the favorites in the Central with the pitching that they have. Now... Do they still need to add relief pitching? Yes. yes. But Dylan Cease changes the dynamic. A hundred percent he does. But now that you have that information too, yesterday we talked about it. Tommy Edmond, with his injury, do you have any concerns about how this could be a domino effect for health and stuff in the outfield? I always have concerns about hitters' wrists mm-hmm. and the effect that it has on them. Because sometimes it can take a full calendar year, depending on the severity of the injury. We don't know. but the Cardinals, They say that he's going to be ready yeah. when the and, season and starts. And so... You, my hope is that this wrist was bothering him and affected his offense last year. <laughs> that's what, that's what, when I when I sent you the information <laughs> last night in the group chat. That's immediately what you sent back. I was like, well, you know, that would make that would make some sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, he, he had a 705 OPS last year. Uh, his on base was uh, 307. His slug was 399. So uh, that is not what you would like to get from a starting outfielder. So hopefully he'll be back and healthy and ready to rock and roll. For 2024. That's what we're hoping for. Yes. We're already getting a lot of texts in. I know that we have to go here to talk to Jay Delsing, but we're getting so many texts in about Dylan Cease and saying that he just had one great season. Also, he is 28, not 25. For some reason, I thought that he was 25, but he is 28. Um, Still young, because what would you say is the height for a starting pitcher? Typical height? No, I'm I'm talking about with their potential. Oh, Yes, peak. What would his peak be? As for a starting pitcher, age wise. Oh, uh, yeah, they peak between twenty and thirty-two, generally mm-hmm. thirty-three, something like that. Right? Yes, I think that's it. Uh, okay, so for those that say he only had one great season, mm-hmm. I will counter with this: Would you take Sandy Alcantara on your team? Yes. Uh, Sandy Alcantara was uh, fourteen and nine and won the Cy Young in twenty twenty-two. Otherwise. Uh, nine and fifteen. He did throw two hundred five innings uh, the year before, that, but had fifty walks uh, last year. Seven and twelve with a four point one four. I think with a young pitcher, you have to look at what his upside is. It, it, here's the thing: if the Cardinals took that approach, okay, 
a long time ago, took that approach. Oh, he's he's only had one good year. Chris Carpenter would have never landed with the Cardinals. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. So you you just you you have to look at the variables and say, okay, does he have the stuff to be a number one? Every there's a reason that teams like the Orioles and the Yankees and the Dodgers are interested in mm-hmm. Dylan Cease. They know how to evaluate and. He's good. Trust me. He's good. That's Brooke. That's Matthew. I'm Randy. Coming up, Jay Delsing talking a little Rory here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new big green egg, Weber gas, or charcoal grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. I've basically went through the last two years with this like altruistic approach of I've sort of looked at the world in the way I've wanted to see it mm-hmm. instead of just sort of, you know, going through life with not with not not that I haven't I've accepted reality basically like this is what's going to happen and I was probably judgmental of the guys that went at the start and I think that was a bit of a mistake on my part because I now realize not everyone's in my position or in Tiger's position and you know you you get this offer and it's you know what do you do it's you know we're all we all turn professional to to make a living playing the sports that we do and um, I think that's what I realized over the last two years I can't judge people for making that decision that is rory mcelroy on the stick to football podcast and jay delsing and i have uh, been pretty staunchly behind rory for the last couple of years since the advent of of live a lot of people have said go rory when rory would get up at those press conferences and kind of share our feelings but yeah. with his voice and now he has backed off and pretty much changed his mind jay good morning how are you doing this morning I'm doing great, Randy. For a couple things, I didn't know Roy could moonwalk, but he certainly <laughs> could moonwalk now. Yeah, and, and and I was not a tie guy either. And one of the fun things about playing golf, I'm like, gosh, if I can not wear a tie the rest of my life, this will be pretty cool. And my first day when I go to UCLA in the golf shop in Bel Air, Eddie Marin's coat and tie. Oh, no. <laughs> How often? <laughs> It still didn't work. I don't. I don't. I, don't, I think I own two ties. I think I own two ties. <laughs> I like to hear it. Good. Uh, all right. So, uh, to me, this just sounded like, and I know Rory wouldn't couch it this way, but it sounded like a concession speech by Rory McIlroy. It, it really did. Uh, I, I, I mean, there, there is some. So I've been hanging around these guys, geez, a long, long time, and one of the things that I've never seen is people really apologize. People really be self-analytical or, or have 
or show much awareness. And I and so I'm going to give Roy definitely props for that. I mean, he he said he was wrong. He said he probably judged people incorrectly. But guys, that all of this, what this really tells me is that our partners are the Saudis, whether we want to or not, whether we like it or not, and there's nothing we can do about it unless we just absolutely bend over and give them golf. Well, I just don't think there's any other way to do it. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, in my opinion, that's happened. I, I don't think that we, we need to, uh, we being America, the PGA Tour, uh, we, we got steamrolled by the finances of Liv and the private investment fund, and uh, America has lost golf. That, that's the bottom line. Yeah, no. I mean, there, I, I mean, Randy, we had a gentleman's agreement that there was not going to be any more players poached before the 31st of this past year in 2023. And our commissioner decided to start engaging conversations with all of these PE firms and all of these. I mean, at one time, I think we had over 10 um, really wealthy, really you know, weighty companies that were wanting to be our partners and all this. And it was obvious it just pissed them off. I mean, all he did then was keep adding $50 million increments to John Rahm's offer until he took it. And then that's a sign that said, guys, you don't understand. You, you meet with these other people and don't bring me to the table. This is going to continue to happen. Okay, so the next question I have is Rory said that some of the flaws of the PGA Tour were exposed because the PGA Tour was asking for sponsors for $20, $25 million for a tournament, and the return on investment wasn't there. Ultimately, do we reach a point where, because the sponsors aren't interested anymore, Honda has... They've left in Florida. Wells Fargo has has left theirs. Uh, Somebody, uh, RBC, threatened to leave in Canada. So if sponsors aren't there, does golf just become the Saudis paying guys without a real business, but just playing essentially for Saudi money? I mean, really, I guess. I mean, what we everything that I hold dear about golf is on the table here. Everything that Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas and Arnold Palmer and all the greats that have come before is, is on the table here. This is probably the most important next six months in the history of golf, if you're without being overly dramatic. I mean, everything's on the table here. I mean, at what point, and I said this to you guys last week, at what point do you look at the golfers and go, you guys are grossly overpaid? And look, I who wants to say that? I mean, we're talking about uh, Brooke made a great comment about the players union and how they support the players. And, you know, if the owners are willing to pay it, they're not overpaid. But I mean, our ratings and things don't hold up to anybody's and we're going to keep throwing this kind of money around. And when, when the business model starts going South, Randy, to your point and our corporate sponsors, you know, this isn't viable for us anymore. This stops making sense. Well, so, so does our business then. And so, yeah, I mean, the the thing that the Saudis can do is they can tell tell the PGA Tour, you don't need sponsors. We'll just sponsor the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and then and then what? And then what sort of control do we do do we hand over to them? Yeah, that's a I, great just, point. It's, it's, it's just awful. I mean, it's just there's just a lot on the table here, and I. I don't. I don't know, guys. It's um, it's a tough time for for golf. I mean, it, it's um, you guys are going to be making a bunch of money, and if you're just driven by money, 
I mean, look at it. Would be it'd be nice if if I, I think I looked up of our thirty some odd sponsors, guys. Uh, Twenty eight of them already do business in Saudi Arabia. I don't think this is the fact that we're taking this blood money to them is going to matter. I, re- I really don't think so. maybe, maybe a few, but for the for the, the the gross majority, I don't think it matters. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, I know that we are we're getting very you know upset about all this and talking about this. I do want to find at least some positive because, of course, it was a very short off season. That is one thing that I really enjoy about the PGA Tour and with golf is that it's it's kind of an off season, but not really, Jay, because now you have some golf going down in Hawaii. As we are starting this new season, who needs a big twenty twenty four? Oh, gosh, Brooke, great question. I was going to say, who should we look for? And I'm really I'm excited to watch Edward play uh, the game. He's already come out of gates, and I'm buying myself time right now as I talk about him because I wasn't <laughs> prepared for that. Um, let, let me see. Um, who needs a great 2024? I would, I would have to say I'm really interested to see how Ricky Fowler follows up. So Ricky Fowler was basically in the golf abyss. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really awesome to watch him come back, and he he kind of oh gosh kind of shelved his ego and got back with Butch Harmon. That never usually happens. Once a player and their, their coach break up, it's usually permanent, and so that'll be interesting to watch. Another great story to watch will be Gary Woodland. So Gary is a great guy He's from Topeka, Kansas. Gary had brain surgery in. Uh, he had a benign tumor that was causing him trouble and giving him some seizures and things like that on his brain. He's actually healthy. Uh, I was in Florida a couple of weeks ago and I got to see Gary. And, and so he's looking to try to play over in Hawaii. So he's going to be a fun um, uh, a person to watch and, and, and see, you know, what, what 2024 brings for him. And I, I would think that Morikawa, yeah, because of some of his struggles now, he was great in the Tournament of Champions last year, but then during the middle of the season really fell off. And he did win uh, once uh, in 2022, but Morikawa hasn't turned out to be the guy that when he won his major that we expected he would be. Well, he started off, and that's a, he's a guy I couldn't think of because I think he had a five- or six-stroke lead in this event last year and wound up coughing it up to John Rahm. Um, you know, he started off so strongly, guys, with he's, – he's already won two major championships in what, I think six tournaments on the – five or six tournaments on the PGA Tour. And now he's, you know, kind of dealing with how, how, do, I, how do I maintain. And um, he's, he, it's really interesting to watch him struggle with a short game like he had last year. I mean, if you watch some of the highlights of this tournament last year, the final round, I think he finished – I don't know, three or four over par, and that's a lot over par for this for this tournament and uh, this golf course because it, the, the scores are super, super low. And he looked kind of unrecognizable for a tour player. He missed a couple of chips where he didn't even get the ball on the green, or if he did, it just didn't go anywhere close to the hole. So that sort of stuff snowballs in your, in your brain and, and can really – lead to some ooh, some interesting shots. I've been down that road before. So, yeah, I, I love I love that fact. I think, I mean, I love that catch, guys. I think Morikawa is the guy to 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 uh, watch and see see what he comes back with. All right, Jay, who do you have on the show on Sunday morning? You and Danny Mac. We've got uh, the the CEO of Sniper Golf, and um, believe it or not, 
well, Randy, we didn't really talk much about this golf ball rollback, but we talk a lot about the golf ball rollback with his name is Clint Peters. And we also get Nathan Carnes on the show. And Nathan, besides being a great guy and he has a great family, he is the first uh, person from the gateway section in the history of our section to hold a national office. He is going to be the 45th president of the PGA of America. And right now he's a national secretary. And so, He's involved. This live stuff guy just has tentacles that reach into all parts of golf. So he talks a lot about that as well. I'm going to stock up, by the way, on golf balls that are going to be be illegal in a few years. <laughs> I know you got to get the ones that go farther. I mean, <laughs> when when are they going to make one that goes straighter? <laughs> Great question. Wait, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody talks about that, and, and and this whole rollback thing is only ten or twelve yards for the tour player. Is that going to make a difference, guys? For the no. tour player? No, it, no. All of a sudden, Rory no. will be 12 feet from the hole on the 380-yard par four, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rather, of, rather than yeah, 12 yeah, inches. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, good, great to have you with us, and have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you again next week. Look forward to it, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jay. Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Coming up, you need to get your text in to the Air Comfort Service text line. That line number, by the way, is 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO! Take it or leave it. It's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. The text line is open, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YO-HO. Brooke, Matthew, Randy, and Brooke, I think we can safely say, and correct me if I'm wrong or if you think there's someone else here, but to me, the three national fan bases in the NFL are the Cowboys, Packers, and Steelers. Mm-hmm. I guess we could throw the Raiders in there, but to a different level, right? Yeah. But I'll, I'll go with the, those three, okay? Take it or leave it. The Cowboys, who are already in, Packers and Steelers all make the playoffs. Ooh. Packers all make are, the playoffs? Pa- Packers are against the Bears. They're winning in. Okay. And the Steelers. Steelers going against the Ravens, who aren't trying. They aren't playing Lamar or anybody. The uh, Steelers are essentially winning in. Okay. Yeah, I'll take it for that aspect. Now, how far they go will be a whole yeah. different conversation. I'm, if the Cowboys get bounced early, doesn't that change the whole perspective of the season? Yeah, it does. It makes but, my season almost, great. It, <laughs> I know it's something that you're looking for, Randy, but doesn't that always feel like that's what you're expecting with the Cowboys, right? That you can't give them full credit for their season, no matter what they do, until you see what happens in the postseason. Right, you can't. And, and that's they're kind of like the Cardinals in that regard. That's their, and it's Jerry Jones' expectation. They make the playoffs all the time, mm-hmm. and they they get bounced. They're, they're kind of like... The Cardinals since 2013? I don't like that. Although they've been that way since 1995. Mm. I will continue until the stat changes. (laughs) I will continue to give you the stat that St. Louis has played in more Super Bowls and NFC Championship games since Mm -hmm. 1995 than Dallas has. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Justin Fields should be the Bears quarterback moving forward. Because you know what's coming up. Yep. 
That draft, Bro- Caleb Williams. Yep, I'm going to take it. I am going to say that they get a receiver, they get an offensive lineman, and maybe even trade down from the top pick to, mm-hmm. to get the third or fourth pick so that they can still get Marvin Harrison Jr. But yeah, I'm going to take that, that they keep Fields. Fields is 3-1 and in his last four, and he's performed at a really high level. Yeah, it so. seems like he's continuing to steadily improve. Yeah. So I wouldn't be upset about that. It's just it's a very interesting position because the whole national conversation is that Caleb Williams is possibly a once in a generational type talent. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, you never know because Randy, how how many of these top picks actually pan out? Oh, it's fifty percent with the quarterbacks, mm-hmm. especially with the quarterbacks. Yeah, and they're they're pretty close with Fields. The other thing is, and it depends upon how good they are at evaluation in Chicago mm-hmm. but if they're if they evaluate fields properly they don't have to start over with a rookie quarterback because a bad over, year yes. with a rookie quarterback next year can get Eberflus fired uh-huh 100% right. yeah all right uh, Matthew what do we got on the text line oh and by the way Pittsburgh needs either a buffalo loss just to make it easy a buffalo loss or a jacksonville loss uh, and Jacksonville plays Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the or uh, a win and uh, Houston, Indianapolis tie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The uncertainty of the Bally sports situation is making an impact on this year's baseball offseason. There's no doubt. I'm taking yes. that 100. Taking it. That's one of the reasons, apparently, that the Rangers haven't been more proactive with Jordan Montgomery is because they're concerned about their deal. I believe there's another hearing coming up in five days on the 10th of January because the folks at Bally, the financial folks at Bally, have to declare that they're in financially for the whole year. Mm-hmm. Baseball wants certainty that they're going to get their money for the whole year. And if Bally can't do that, if they can't provide the money, then all hell breaks loose. 100%. I think that that's greatly affecting a lot of things that mm-hmm. we're seeing in baseball this offseason because. That doesn't you you have no idea what's going to happen, and we're seeing television and streaming services mm-hmm. change at such a rapid pace. I wonder now what is the majority you think of baseball fans how they still consume? Do you think that there's still more cable viewers with baseball, or do you think you're starting to see more of that equaling out with streaming? I think that's an interesting question, but I think because the baseball demographic is so much older, mm-hmm. I believe the the average MLB fan is 57 years old. I would say that they're still on cable or dish. Hmm. But eventually it's going to all be streaming. Eventually, within, yeah. within five years, we just aren't going to have cable TV sports, I don't think. No. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals got Lance Lynn a pamphlet for Christmas called The Art of the Changeup. <laughs> I'll take that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. Like uh, written by uh, Blake Lively. <laughs> by Blake Lively. <laughs> I'm just going to say this. I don't, I'm don't. i going to leave this one before I even read it. Okay. My, okay. my Lord. It. Take it or leave it. French toast is better than waffles and pancakes. Frankly, it's not even close. Did you leave this? Oh. You just leave, I'm you leave, left I'm yeah, leaving this you. so far yeah. in the back. Were I can't you, even were you see the take. Yeah. Were you concerned that Brock would take it? No. Here's the thing. There we used to. Did you ever travel around and see a corner bakery? Remember those little breakfast places, kind of yeah. Panera esque. I don't even. You still have those. Yeah, I don't. They're not in Chicago anymore. I think they're in like Dallas and D.C. and stuff. Mm. They had a baked French toast that was unbelievable. 
But yeah. it wasn't typical French toast. If you're making one of the three at home, my power rankings, waffle number one, yes. pancake oh, yes. number yes. two, yes. and then a huge drop-off to French toast. Why people go to the store to buy bread, milk, and eggs come <laughs> snow time is beyond me. I, yeah, I don't get what, oh. what is it about snow and French toast. Guys, I've never understood it. When, when the pandemic hit, the last day of, of civilization, really, before the pandemic. Yes. I'm at Costco, and <laughs> there are lines to the back of the store, and I get instructions at home, hey, just go get a bunch of stuff that so that we're good for the pandemic. Yeah. I didn't know what the pandemic was going to be. First of all, there's 10,000 people in Costco. The one that didn't have toilet paper in his cart was Randy Carriker. Okay? But I had ribeyes, and I had, one of the things I had, guys, was a 10-pound bag of Krusty's waffle That's and smart. pancake mix, oh. and it lasted for a year, and it was delicious. You didn't get any toilet paper. No. Where I you had just no idea. Didn't, you I, had I, no idea. I didn't think of that. Uh, but when you consume all that food, eventually it does have but to But I had no idea you. that we would have, a, uh, I don't know how people got it in their minds that we, well, here's the thing. People had it in their minds that we would never have toilet paper again. I was thinking, okay, well, the toilet paper industry is going to be fine. There yeah. were people that bought toilet paper and completely filled up their living rooms with toilet paper. Oh, yeah. And then tried hoarding to return it. People yep. were yep. hoarding it and then and reselling it. on it. eBay. Yes, right. you remember. Yeah, this doesn't crazy. even feel real. I no. feel like my mind has blocked out a lot of that, but you're right. That was a weird time, huh? And, yep. And then people tried to return it and they had to say at the stores, well, yeah, we really don't take toilet paper back. <laughs> Bidet <Nope>. sales. Everybody <laughs> invested in a bidet, so we don't have to go through <laughs> that right, again. Right. <laughs> the one thing we should steal from Europe, I'm just saying. Yeah, <laughs> take, just take it or leave it. I, I, uh, I would quit my job. I would just sit there all day. <laughs> Somebody said Randy's classy and uses a bidet. I think, is, yeah. I think it's because you're you're so well dressed today. That's that's why that comment came. I saw in. That coming. Take it or leave it. Billy Joel should inspire the Cardinals to not let Dylan Cease have a New York state of mind. Make him the big shot here because we love him just the way he is. Take it. <laughs> totally take it. Take it. Take well it. done. Well yes, done. I love that. That was beautiful. A lot of yeah. people upset about the announcement yesterday, Randy. Well, they told us it was going to be a concert announcement. Should, yeah. And I think Matthew made this point. Should people in business not promote what they're selling? Well, also, I guess I think, not. I think, again, the thing that you you, you talk to, a, uh, you know, somebody who works on the business side, there are there's a hallway. Let's just imagine a hallway. A long hallway. In and around, around <laughs> Bush Stadium. And let's, you know, under Bush Stadium. And let's, let's say that there's a lot of offices in this hallway. And some of the people in those offices do baseball things. And some of the people in the office do business things. <laughs> and some of the people just do stadium things. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> It is. You're telling okay. me. You're yeah. telling me that Paul yeah. Goldschmidt didn't book Sting no, and no. Billy Joel. I'm not telling you just not. Not, not only did Paul Goldschmidt not do it. I don't think Michael Gersh was involved. Wow. Okay, I have a devastating piece of news. Uh -oh. no. Okay, go ahead. During the warm months, <laughs> spring, summer, fall in St. Louis, uh -huh. there's like at least a half dozen weddings every single day at Bush Stadium. No way. There is uh, weekend days, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They have them on top of dugouts. They have them at home plate. They have them at Ballpark Village. Yes, the Cardinals do other things other than baseball. And rookies no! are and actually rookies are contractually obligated to be ring bearers. So like they, yeah. they're not they're not out there working out. They're not getting massages. They're being ring bearers so that the Cardinals can charge a little yeah. bit extra. Yeah. Quick Google search: How do I change my wedding venue to oh, we Bush can, Stadium? Uh, I know people, Brooke. I can help you out. <laughs> there we go. That sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's. It is. It's a great thing. And yeah, so the Cardinals, in addition to uh, just having baseball, 
they have other things going on venue. at their facility. So Trivia nights. If we're doing rankings, baseball, wedding venue, mm-hmm. then concerts. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> probably. What else? I want to know how many weddings they have now. Uh. Uh, maybe somebody will will send a text, uh, but I think we can uh, we can Google this. So on the Google machine, yeah. Hold on here, and I know we got to get to our next thing, which is going to be more Dylan Cease talk. But think about do it. you want to do the one Cardinals? More? Take it or leave it. For, for baseball games, the Cardinals have to get have to give you a bobblehead so you buy a ticket. You'll mm. just buy a ticket to come see Billy Joel. That's all profit, baby. That is yes, and that's all. That's, that's all. That's 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 what they it's care business. about. It's business. Yeah. No, 100%. sometimes, but sometimes it's sports. Some, just sometimes, though. But we like to pick and choose. <laughs> <laughs> I will find out during the break uh, how many weddings they do. But you can do a wedding at the Redbird Club for up to 400 guests. Package wow. fee is $900. 400 Yep. Uh, yeah, well, you can do the UMB Champions Club for up to 250 guests. You can do Unity America Cardinals Club for up to 150. Uh, and the Cunningham Corner for up to 150 as well. Somebody says, fortunately, Dusty Springfield is an ordained minister. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that so, is a great idea. But you really don't want you really don't want him teaching yeah. you how to do the bouquet toss. Yeah. No. <laughs> stop. No. no, you can't say that. Now he you'll won't do it, my wedding. Put it in the fit role like Jordan Hicks. <laughs> He's multi-talented. That's what somebody said. By the way, there are some beautiful oh. uh, photos of weddings at the ballpark. If you could just go to uh, MLB.com slash cardinals slash ballpark slash events, slash weddings, <laughs> you'll get to it. But Or you could just Google weddings Bush at Bush Stadium. Wedding. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that might be a little bit easier. Okay. But yeah, it's, uh, so uh, they, they do that too, which is kind of disappointing, I'm sure, to some, that why aren't we concentrating more on baseball? Why are these people that are setting up weddings not involved in getting us a free agent from mm-hmm. Korea? Why aren't you using the South wedding Korea. money that you're getting from Bush Stadium <laughs> to get said pitcher? That's my <laughs> yeah, question. Yeah, Randy, there's, question. there's talent on that north side. <laughs> Tunnel under and get it out of there. <laughs> Just all, think about it. Matthew, they're playing golf over there. If they could have put the whole wedding fund, the profits they get from weddings oh. at Bush Stadium, into a Yamamoto pot, basically what they could have used. Yep. That would have been huge. We would have had. Well, we would have had Otani. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah, we would have given Otani a billion. Because mm-hmm. that's what they get from weddings. Hundred uh, percent. Coming up, we we got <laughs> some interesting response from our Dylan Cease conversation. Ken Rosenthal reporting this morning at The Athletic that the Cardinals are still, at the very least, on the periphery of discussions to acquire Dylan Cease. We're going to talk more about that and get your input next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. 8.08 in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Getting ready for the weekend. Brooke Grimsley, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker on 101 ESPN. Uh, for those of you that are tuned in on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam, you see that I'm wearing a, a jacket with a button-down shirt, which is kind of unusual. Well, it's extremely unusual for this show and this individual. Somebody asked if I have jury duty today. They did. We've gotten a lot of questions about your outfit today because, Randy, you are pretty stylish, mm-hmm. but this is definitely Overly stylish. Uh, this is definitely a step above the usual, I would say, golf attire that I see you wear. Yeah, it is. And here's the thing. I like jury duty. Mm-hmm. I never get picked. No? No. But do you I, I purposely like do that? No. I, do you purposely The, the last do that? time I had jury duty, it was a murder case, and I wanted to be on it in the worst way. <laughs> you would kill for it? <laughs> <laughs> you 
were yeah. dying to get on yeah. it. Yeah. You know what happens? Because these lawyers are good. Yeah. And here's what they do. They, they, they say, uh, so, Mr. Carricker, you're a broadcaster in town. Because they all know. You know, mm-hmm. they, they do all their due diligence, which is great. I say, yeah, I listen to you all the time. And I think what happens is they're worried that That I'm, you'll spill the beans? Well, no, that, no, that I'm, I'm a forceful personality because I'm on oh. the air. And uh, I don't think, they, yeah, they, they, and some, they don't some, want that. Some in want the, jury the leader, duty. some don't. What, most oh. lawyers, when they're in voir dire, which is jury selection, do not want a leader in the room there. Like they don't want somebody who's going to be too demonstrable. They want somebody who's yep. who's maybe a little bit more passive. Passive, yes. Yeah. And for all the attorneys that are out there, because I, I have wanted to do a, a murder case, and I would, if you ever have a murder case, <laughs> I would like to be on it. But full full disclosure here. Uh, Wesley Bell listens to this show, and I love Wesley Bell, the county yes. prosecutor. He's mm-hmm. my guy. So uh, I don't know if that will allow me to be on. Right, part I don't of, think that helps your case by so saying either. that. No, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I've I don't know how I voted in every election I could have. Mm-hmm. I still haven't ever been called for really. Jury. I haven't. I haven't and either. I, and here's the thing. I haven't I li- either. I lived in the city for because now I live in Afton, yep. so I'm technically in the county. So, I, but I lived in the city for. 18 to... Ooh, that's really amazing. I'm, I'm saying 18 to 28. So like, I was ten, I was in the city for 10 years. Did you get called Two there? full election cycles. Never once got called. That's amazing. And I don't know if it's maybe... maybe I don't know. Maybe my, dad, my dad works for the state. Maybe that's it. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. That could be. Now, here's one other thing. By the yes. way, if I did have jury duty today, I would almost automatically be disqualified because of what, of what I'm wearing. I think if you walk in... I, I, I don't... This is just my impression. Yeah. Of the juries that I have seen put together, generally, people that walk in that are well dressed and appear to have a reasonable level of intelligence don't get picked. <laughs> Is that how that works? Wouldn't you want so. people who no, are intelligent no, 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 to be no, no, on no. your jury duty? Because that's kind of a big deal, right? Especially if it is a murder trial, yeah. you're deciding a lot. Isn't intelligence or at least looking intelligent kind of important? I think what you here's what I would want if I were a lawyer. Okay. I would want my my guy or gal as the leader and then a bunch of followers. Wow. And people that say, oh, yeah, he's right. Or, oh, yeah, he sh- she's right. Don't you want that? I, yeah, I would guess so. I, I, there's got to be an art to putting a jury together. Mm-hmm. There has to be. Okay, uh, today uh, at the Athletic, Matthew, anything to add there? Yeah, there is an entire art. Like, there's like oh. certain lawyers that are like that's that's their specialist is jury selection. Yeah, just, just Google Voidier and you'll dive into this weird whole thing of like it's an entire specialty for some lawyers and they're really good at. It. Some lawyers are like, no, I'm not really good at that part. Or just watch one of the most underrated movies of all time, Runaway Jury. <laughs> It's great. It's the only time that Dustin Hoffman and Gene Hackman ever worked together. Okay, Mm -hmm. here we go. Uh, The Yankees and the Orioles, according to Ken Rosenthal, are teams that have expressed sincere interest in White Sox right-hander Dylan Cease. Uh, And Ken Rosenthal notes the... Yankees and uh, and Orioles are pursuing trade possibilities for the best starter available, Dylan Cease. The White Sox are weighing offers for Cease, and the Yankees and Orioles are among those to express sincere interest. According to his major league sources, other teams also are serious. And while the exact list of suitors is not known, the Dodgers, Cardinals, and Red Sox are among the teams possibly in the mix. Okay, so you've got people in baseball saying that Dylan Cease is the best starter available in trade. Mm-hmm. You've got uh, 
teams like the Dodgers who are pretty good at evaluating talent, mm-hmm. the Yankees who are okay at evaluating talent, and the Orioles who are really good at evaluating talent expressing interest. I would be disappointed if the Cardinals were not expressing interest in Dylan Cease. When you watch him pitch, when you look at his stuff, he's got number one starter stuff. He does. And with Dylan Cease, I do think it's really interesting that there is some hesitation. Do you think that hesitation comes from, and I'm talking about fans, because we've had people text in where somebody texts in earlier from the 618, what makes Dylan Cease a definitive number one? Win day starter and number one win day starter. And Sonny Gray, a guy who is a good top of the rotation guy, but not a number one. I think this is a really interesting question. And to Mm -hmm. me, it comes down to what the team does when you're on the mound. Last year, this is a snapshot, but last year, Sonny Gray's team won 87 games. They won their division, the Minnesota Twins. On the days that Sonny Gray started for the Twins, they were 14 and 18. Dylan Cease's team went 61 and 101. They lost 101 games. On the days Dylan Cease started for the White Sox, they were 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. For a team that was 40 games under, he made 33 starts, and the team was under. 500 by one game in the games he started. So I would hope that, and this is what teams are looking at, for a good team with a better culture, that Dylan Cease, for a team that wins 95 on the days that he starts, if he if he starts 33, they win 21-22 of those starts. Yeah, and somebody said, I'm interested from the 3-1-4, I'm interested until they say Gorman's name. That's what it is, right? Mm-hmm. That's the big holdup, is that we assume there's going to have to be a big chip in this trade and that tri- that chip could be Nolan Gorman because every team if you're making a trade for especially a potential mm-hmm. ace starting pitcher then they're going to be asking for a player like Nolan Gorman in return so right. do you think the Cardinals will have to move past that and do you think that will be the asking price not only will it be Nolan Gorman though but it sounds like the White Sox just from previous reports are wanting quite a bit they want a couple of your top 100 top prospects too and I don't know if I would give a couple of top 100 prospects, but I would be willing to go with Gorman and a pitcher. And here's the thing. You've got mm-hmm. left-handed bats on the way in uh, Chase Davis, their number one pick. He'll be available in 2025. You hope that a guy like Donovan stays healthy, and Donovan could be a 15-home run guy. You you hate to give up a Kyle Schwarber, which is probably what Gorman is going to be, is a guy that hits 40 home runs, has a good OPS. He might not walk as much as Schwarber, but he's going to strike out a ton. He's a good hitter. I'm not dismissing the abilities of Nolan Gorman and that you'll hate to watch him play for another team for many years. My thought process here is that you don't win without you don't win a World Series without a number one starter. Mm-hmm. And I would ask and I know there's people that believe Sonny Gray is that number one. I don't. I think he's a really solid number two. I think the Cardinals to win need to get another starting pitcher. And that's what Xavier Scruggs told us that's what Benji Molina told us that's what Greg Amzinger says that his former MLB player and manager cohorts at MLB Network are saying and in my eyes told me right off the bat they need a number one starter a hundred percent and he's 28 years old Mm -hmm. that's still young that is somebody that is yet to we were talking about it certain pitchers that's their peak age range right there is that 28 I would even say to 32 possibly being that cutoff Mm -hmm. and not saying that you can't just even go further past that but that's a sweet spot for starting pitchers and let me give you one other note about Dylan Cease this is a guy as the Cardinals look for a pitcher that has strikeout stuff his career average 
is 10.8 strikeouts per nine innings. He led the American League in 21 at 12.3 strikeouts per nine, 11.1, and then 10.9 this past year. He is still a strikeout pitcher, and that's one of the things that the Cardinals need. By the way, his, his strikeouts to walk is still pretty good, too. Uh, generally, uh, essentially about a 3-to-1 or or better strikeout to walk ratio. And just not as just for clarification here, you're not saying that with Nolan Gorman, I think we all understand the potential and also mm-hmm. the upside of Nolan totally. Gorman. But you would say that your biggest hang up is your concerns about his back issues. That yeah, if if I'm going to keep him for long term, I would be concerned about that. I, I would hope that he can slug for me. Mm-hmm. But my biggest concern is that I I know especially with the rules, and I hope the Cardinals are this way. I've got Victor Scott on the way. I've got Tommy Edmond on my team. I've got Donovan on my team. I've got Wynn on my team. I've got Walker on my team. If I managed correctly and my approach is correct, I can manufacture a run. You can't manufacture pitching. Mm-hmm. And that's my, my big thing. Home runs are uh, uh, the best and easiest way to score right now. But if I'm in a 1-1 game in the ninth inning, I want to be able to manufacture a run and I want to be able to get to that 1-1 game in the ninth inning, and I don't think I can do it on a regular basis, but I think I can with Dylan Cease, who set the Major League record two years ago with 14 consecutive starts with zero or one run allowed. And even look at the Cardinals this past season. What was the biggest issue? One, I know that situational hitting was an issue, but it all came back to the starting pitching. Did it not? It it does. And I I want to reinforce this again. I am a fan of Nolan Gorman. I think he's going to be great. But I just think the Cardinals' needs right now, especially with what they have on their roster, are greater than... I, I, I would say that the starting pitching number one starter need is greater than the need to have that slugger without a number one starter. Mm-hmm. That's Brooke. I'm Randy. And that is today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're going to talk to our buddy Joe Vitale about what's going on with the Blues and what's going on in life in general. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Brooke and Randy on the Opening Drive on 101 ESPN. It's 30 degrees in St. Louis. It was 27 when I left home today. And the first thing I did when I came into the building (laughs) was got myself some hot chocolate. And I want to know if Joe Vitale is a hot chocolate guy. Yeah, the hot chocolate's working here at the station. Joey V, good morning. How are you doing? You know, Randy, I'm doing great. Good morning to you. Does, uh, does, hot, co- does hot cocoa have a caffeine in it? It does not, sir. Then no. No, no. <laughs> I'm a hot cocoa fan then, my friend. But Sorry. you are, uh, and I understand, because you are a coffee guy through and through. When did you become a coffee guy? I, I, obviously, hockey is a coffee sport. Were you like a peewee? Were you, was it at CBC? When did you become a, like a daily coffee guy? I would say it was probably college. Yeah, it was probably college when I really started to kick it into gear when I had to manage school at Northeastern in Boston, manage school, practice, games. And I kind of got into a routine of drinking it before class uh, in the morning. And, you know, Dunkin' Donuts is huge up in Boston. There's one at every corner pretty much. And so I would start doing that. And, and then it became kind of a routine where I would start doing a little bit in, you know, before practice and then before games. And by the end of my career, I was having a you know half a cup or quarter cup of coffee not only before the games but between periods. So I've become kind of a fiend, and you know how it is. Uh, us hockey players, Randy, as as we've talked about plenty in the past, uh, we're, we're kind of creatures of habit and routine. And once it became a routine, even when I was done and retired and I had all these kids, 
Uh, caffeine and coffee certainly is still in my regimen. We are going to get to routine in just a second because we teased this last Friday. But I want to go back to donuts because you are everybody who knows Joe Vitale. You're you're in great shape. You 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 treat your body as your temple. But you mentioned Dunkin' Donuts. So whether it's Dunkin' Donuts or another donut, what is Joe's donut of choice when you do eat one? If I had to have one donut, I don't know why. Um, if anyone's been to Tim Hortons in Canada, they have this, uh, whether you call it a cruller or a cruller, I call it a cruller, a French cruller. I'm going cruller as well. You're going cruller. Okay. Have you had one of these before, Randy? I have. Fantastic. Airy, pillowy, light, just amount of right amount of sweetness. And then what they do now is up in Dun- up in uh, Tim Hortons up there, they, they've started about a year ago. They added like a frosting and a sprinkle on top too, which Listen, sprinkles about, with donuts, to me, people think they're for, like, the appearance or for the flash. It's actually, it, it's a textural, it's part of the integrity of a donut. You, you have to have some crunch. You have to have some balance. Think of it Think of it like a nice piece of, you know, barbecue crispy chicken. Like, yeah, that crunch on the outside and that just, like, moist, soft inside. That's what we're getting with with the donut, people. You need the sprinkle is super important, not just for the color and for the eye, but, but for the mouth and the feel of having a little bit of texture. So I would go with the French crawler with the frosting and sprinkles from Tim Hortons up north. So that, that Dunkin' Donuts cream-filled is not up your alley? Get the cream, save it for the birds. I don't like cream in my donut. I okay. like the mayor. I, like, I want to taste the yeast. I want to taste the fermentation. You know, I'm kind of a fermentation nut, as you know, Randy. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's your favorite. The jelly. Don't get me started on the jelly. The jelly in the donut is not, doesn't belong there. Get out what? of here. What? Okay. I, get out of here, bro. No, 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 Joey. Now, everyone's. I do agree with you. I like sprinkles on my donuts, but a jelly donut, that is delicious. Too much sweet on sweet. We have to have <laughs> some variety, people. You look at your tongue, right? You look at your tongue. The, the, the tip of the tongue is where the sweet the sweet sensations are at, right? And then you move back to the savory, and then the very back is where the sour notes are. And you look this up in the diagram of the tongue. It's all it's all choreographed this way for a reason. Now, when you go to eat a donut, the, the key is you gotta you gotta get the full palate. We call it that umami bite, you know. And then and then you look at you look at uh, which is why people love sourdough and, and everything. You know, put sourdough in waffles, put sourdough in a chocolate chip cookie. You put sourdough waffles in an English muffin. People are like, this isn't a Thompson's muffin. What's going on with this English muffin? Well, the reality is that we put some sourdough starter in there, and your mouth and your back of your jowls there, where all the sensors are for sour on the back of your tongue, those start to light up as well. And then, of course, you add some sea salt on the top there. Why do we add sea salt? Of course, it's not for flavor. People get this wrong all the time, too. People are so nuts when they think about salt. Salt's there to simply open up the, the sensory capsules on the top of your, the roof of your mouth, so you're just receiving flavor a lot better. And I think that's what Tim Hortons does as well. They throw a little spr- a sprinkle of sea salt up there, too. Uh, but that's where you need that sourdough, Brooke, and that's where you're a little cuckoo because you got the <laughs> sweet of the vanilla, the sweet of the sugar, and now the sweet of the jelly. It's just too much sweet. Uh, you know what? Here's the thing, though. There's nothing that is ever too sweet. I feel like that's that's oh, too. God. It's it's a good thing. Sweet is always a good <laughs> thing, Joey. Brooke, we have a lot, a lot, a lot. Randy and I have a lot to teach you. He will tell you about his his world famous carrot cake. Oh yes, it's not it's not one sweet note. No, 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 no. There's a smoke note to it. There's a savory note to it, and then there's a sweet note. There's plenty of notes to go around. It is not. 
if 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 Randy's carrot cake was all sweet, I'd have one piece and say, "Oh boy, I'm done. That is rich." But no, I'm I'm done with half the cake on the way home from the Blues game, and I got to leave my kids with the other half in the morning. <laughs> I love that. All right, the Blues played in Pittsburgh last weekend, and they got to take on Sidney Crosby. And Joe played with Sidney Crosby in the first part of his career in the National Hockey League. And last week we talked about superstitions and routines, and we, we just mentioned them them at the at the top of this interview. Uh, Brooke, I don't think, has heard the, the Sidney Crosby superstition story. So you have time. The floor is yours, Joe. If you can share that story with us, please. Oh, my gosh, of course. It's one of my one of my favorite stories. And, you know, it goes to, you know, look at all the, the Kobe Bryants and the Michael Jordans and the, and the Sidney Crosbys, uh, Wayne Gretzky's. They've all found this routine, and it's gotten a little crazy to the point where some people would call it a superstition, but it really is a routine, and it helps them kind of get locked in. When I was a rookie in Pittsburgh, I didn't know too much about Sidney, and I was kind of new, and I was appointed to become the team DJ. Usually they give it to a younger player. And listen, this is a tough job because you're playing the music in the locker room and you gotta you gotta appease the the Europeans with techno. You gotta appease the older guys like the Brooks Orpics with the alternative and the and the you know the uh, tunnel jam. And then you got the you know the rap guys, the younger players who just want to listen to rap and R and B. So you had to find this good mix of music, and that was always the biggest challenge for me in my rookie season. I didn't even think about hockey. I was more focused on making sure everyone's happy with the music in the locker room. So I'm mean, about two months into my rookie season. I'm getting to know Sid a little bit more. I'm starting to realize he's a little quirky on game days. He kind of does the same thing over and over. Uh, for fans out there who watch him in his warm-ups on ice, he always does toe drags around the McDonald's M at, on home sheets, and he always follows the M. It's just little things like that. He, I just started to pick up more and more. And it's about November, two months into the season, and I'm playing this the playlist for the, the, the pregame, and there's really only one rule when you're a team DJ for a hockey team in the, in the National Hockey League, and that is, if the team wins with the playlist you presented, that playlist stays the exact same. And then when you lose, you can switch out a song or two. You kind of keep the nuts and bolts the same, but you can lose a song, add a song after a loss. But if you win, you keep it the same. So I'm getting ready with the Confluent Energy Center there in Pittsburgh. And I'm taping my stick, and all of a sudden, you know, this is back in 2011, I guess, 2012, uh, the Dog Days Are Over by Florence and Machine comes on. And this is right when this song kind of came song. out. It's a great song. And so I play this song, and I'm taping my stick, and it's going on in the locker room and in the weight room and all our facilities and all this stuff. And, and Sid comes up to me, and he says, hey, Joe B., this is a great song. And I said, yeah, this is a good song, huh? He's like, this song came out a few months ago, and I went to Italy with a couple buddies, Nathan McKinnon, Braden Shen, uh, of, all, of all people, was with them. He's like, yeah, I went to Italy with our, my buddies and our girlfriends and wives, and we kind of were traveling to the Amalfi Coast, and – this song just came out, and I don't know why, but we just kept playing the song on the boat, and it kind of became our theme song. So every time I hear this song, I think about uh, our, our Italian trip. So he tells me this whole story about how this Florence and Machine song reminds him of Italy. So anyway, it's, it's five minutes. I'll never get back again, but whatever. I'm moving on. <laughs> so I get ready for the game. We go out there. We win the game. And I think Sid gets like a goal and an assist. And, you know, and so, you know, as I mentioned before, the only rule for T DJ is that you keep the playlist the exact same. Two days later, we're in Philadelphia. So we're getting in. All of a sudden, the songs are playing, and guys are warming up, and, and it's that time of the of the pregame again, and Florence Machine comes on again. I'm over there. I'm tying my skates or changing my laces, and sits next to me and goes, Chovy. I go, what's up? He goes, this is a really great song. I go, 
yeah, I know. He goes, did I ever tell you time with Italy? And we played this song, and it kind of became our theme song. And I'm listening, and I'm like, I'm looking around, I was like, is he, is he pranking me? Is this guy freaking nuts? And he goes, yeah, so we went to the Malta Coast, I was with Braden Shen and Nathan McKinnon, our wise win, we, you know, we're having some pasta, and this song kept coming back. And I'm, I, I literally don't know what to say. I'm like, oh my God, is he having post-concussion syndrome? Like, this is right after all his concussion stuff. I'm like, I think I need to see the team doctor. So this happens, we go out and win that game. I think the next night we're playing in Buffalo, it's back-to-back. Same thing. We're getting ready. Florence Machine comes on. What do you think? So he comes up and he goes, Joe B, this is a good song. I go, yeah, I know. He goes, I'm with Italy. I'm like, oh, my God, no. Tell me more about it. So I said, tell this whole story again. And then by game four, Brooke, I'm like, oh, my God. I, I understand what's going on. This guy's a complete psychopath. And I have now been embedded in his routine, his pregame routine, and now he needs me. Brooke and Randy, go back to 2012, from like October, mid-October. We went on a 17-game stretch. We didn't lose. We did not lose a game. I endured this for about five and a half completely. I, I am not kidding you when I say this. I'm not kidding you when I say this. I was mentally like fried and I, it was like disturbing me and it was affecting my play on the ice and I, I stopped playing well and I was like losing my mind and I kept blaming that it was like Sid kept believing about the stupid story so at the end I mean by game 12 and 13 right I, I kid you not I am hiding when I know the song is about to come on there was one time I was in the bathroom stall and I'm sitting there on the pot I've just got the doors closed, and I hear Florence and Machine through the wall, and it's faint, and all of a sudden, boom, the door opens. Like, go me! God! Yeah! He's like, this is a great song! And they go, I know! There's a time with Italy! And listen to the song! I'm like, yep! And I, I swear to you, I swear to God, I, this has happened for 17 straight games. I was losing my complete mind. Finally, Brooke, finally, we lost the game, and Sid comes up to me literally right after the game was over with a big smile on his face, and he goes, hey, that was a pretty good run. Huh? I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, buddy. Meanwhile, I'll be down in the minors tomorrow. Um, yeah, that's, that's one of multiple uh, Sidney Crosby routine stories. And when you play with him, you learn very quickly as a teammate of his that it's not just about your preparation. It's also about how do I facilitate Sidney's preparation? <laughs> and it, it, I don't say that like to be like, oh, this, this guy's an arrogant leader. It's not about that. It's about, this guy is so good and he helps you win games. And he will help you with your contract one day if it's that good. You want to make sure you could do anything. You just want to serve him and make sure you're taking care of him the best as you can. So I learned very early to get in, figure out his routine, be a part of it, or uh, you'll probably end up being traded or sent down to the minors pretty quickly. Oh, my gosh. Joey, by the end of it, were you just like in a corner, like shaking, rocking back and forth? Like, oh, my God, please <laughs> let this be done. Oh, my gosh. You know, I don't know if people have seen the scene from uh, Heartbreak Kid with Ben Stiller 
you know, he's in the bedroom with his new wife, and she's all crazy in the bedroom. He's like, at one point, he's like on a rocking chair, sucking his thumb in the corner. That, that was me. I, I swear that that was me. Or like the, the scenes, you know, what it really sounds good is from uh, Jim Carrey's uh, character from Dumb and Dumber when when Seabass busts open the bathroom door, he's like sucking his thumb in the corner or whatever. That, that was me. I was I was a mental midget at that point. But at the end of the day, we won 17 games. We made the playoffs that year. We went to the Eastern Conference Finals. So it all worked out in the end. But, you know, any player who plays with Sid will really tell you. it's You have to figure out a way to be available to him and make sure that you're kind of catering to him because what, what, what he says kind of goes there. I'll give you one other quick thing about this, about what he says goes. The Penguins jerseys right now, you know how they reverted back, Randy and Brooke, to the 80s style? Mm-hmm. Three or four years ago, they brought back that style as like a third jersey. I think Sid had a hat trick that night. Oh. A few weeks later, he had like a two-goal, one-assist night, and they won again. What do you think happened the following year? Those didn't become the third jerseys anymore. Those were the jerseys. So, <laughs> and they have been the jerseys since then. So uh, you, can see, you can see the influence he certainly has not only on that team, but certainly that city and the sport of hockey and and at the end of the day, just such a wonderful human being and one of one of my great friends to this day. So it's always great to uh, reminisce and t- tell these stories again. Oh, and by the way, the Blues won last night. A great win. Maybe the best <laughs> win of the year. Maybe the best win of the year. Two to one against a very good hockey team. They had nothing. Brock Besser, silent. JT Miller, silent. Elias Pedersen, silent. Blues have done a great job of shutting down other teams, top opponents, especially over these last three games, absolutely. Joey V, we love you, man. Thank you. That was great. Was we amazing. appreciate it. Have, have a great weekend. Are you making the trek to uh, to Raleigh? Oh, yeah. I'll be I'll be coming to you live tomorrow night. 7, 8, 7 p.m. is our pregame on 101 ESPN. That's on the FM dial, so make sure you're tuning in, people. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Always for you, Joey. Uh, Joey Always v. for you. Thank you. Uh, that is the spectacular <laughs> Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. You can hear, if you didn't get to hear the whole story, oh, you man. have the opportunity to hear it again on uh, 101ESPN.com or on the app brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center. Or please go to YouTube and watch our reactions oh. to the story. Because, Randy, you literally turned into a tomato during I'm, that story. Bright red. Yeah. That was incredible. I do feel bad that maybe he got some PTSD. Florence and Machine is fantastic, so I hate that he can't enjoy them as much anymore. But what a story. That plus the other Sidney Crosby story that he told. What was that? Where he basically has what is, the the jock strap that's yeah. like oh yeah <laughs> the same since he was little. He has a lot of things. Hey, if it, it, it works for Sydney, it works. Yeah. Pretty amazing. <laughs> hey, uh, coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk to uh, Robert Thomas at 845, and we went long, obviously, with Joey. So we're going to do the fight at 9. Yes. And if you'd like to participate in the fight, all you need to do is text in your name and the word fight to 314-399-9646. That's 314-399. yo Coming up before we get to, you know what we'll do? Is uh, we'll just uh, we'll get to Robert next on because we're already behind. So what we'll do is we'll take this break and get to Robert next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Thomas scores, getting you inside the Blues locker room. It's time now for Blues Forward Robert Thomas on the opening drive. Driven by Pure Performance, the only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs. Hey, hey now, now, 
you're an all-star. Good game on. Go play. Hey, now. We're doing it three times. Okay, there we go. the all-star joins us. I'm sure you're thrilled to hear that this morning as he does his radio hit on 101 ESPN. Robert, good morning. How are you doing? <laughs> Sorry, we were gonna play you the song, Robert, and then we realized because of licensing we couldn't. So then we were trying to practice singing. Did you at least like it a little bit? Couldn't tell the difference. <laughs> <laughs> we we tried so hard. Well, congratulations, as we just mentioned there. Your first time being named an all star. How excited are you? Yeah, pretty pumped. Um you know, obviously something you look at it in your career that you want to accomplish and a uh, pretty special moment, especially doing it in uh, your hometown. Uh, we'll make it all that more special for, for friends and family. It's going to be awesome to have your family there. I have to believe, though, that uh, the guys that you grew up with, you're going to get a lot of ticket requests if you haven't already. Yeah, it's already started blowing up. So, <laughs> um, you know, obviously Toronto's pretty expensive, so... Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that one goes. How did you find out the news that you were an all-star? Uh, Doug called me a couple of days ago and broke the news, and um, immediately called my family, and everyone um, was so so excited. So uh, pretty special. It's pretty cool. And then you celebrate last night on the night of the announcement with an assist and the game-winning goal. And uh, Robert, I call that your team's best win of the year. If, if it's not the best, it's got to be top two. What did you think of that win? Yeah, um, you know, obviously a huge win. Um, you know, they lost their last two, and uh, Vancouver coming in is a great team, and um, it, was a, it was a big challenge for us, and especially getting down one in the first and uh, just being patient and battling back. Uh, I think that's been something that uh, we've lacked lately, and um, just just keeping ourselves in games. Uh, obviously, Benner made some huge saves in the first period to keep it at one nothing, and we just kind of slowly clawed back, and um, yeah, it was a huge team win. And I believe that was your third come from behind win this season for you guys. What is the difference that you guys are able to find a way to come back in these games? Yeah, I think just not getting down. Um, you know, it seemed like earlier in the year, um, you know, you get down one, you get down two, and next thing you know, you're down four. It's impossible to come back. Um, so I think we're doing a really good job of keeping games close and giving ourselves a chance in the third and. Um, yeah, the last three games we've, you know, kept the games real close and, you know, one bounce goes the other way and you, you lose by one or they end up to that and you lose by two. But, you know, you're in every game and you're fighting. And uh, I think last night's a uh, prime example of that. And, um, you know, we gave up one early in the first and uh, kind of snowballed from there. But we stayed in the game and ended up getting a win. Robert, you're in a grueling stretch here in terms of the the quality of opponents that you're playing. Do you look at that? Do you, do you look at the the stretch, or are you a one game at a time kind of guy? Uh, no, we all know what's coming up here, so um, we know how important each and every game is. And um, yeah, it's a it's a great challenge for our team to really show where where we're at as a team. And um, these are these are very important points, and um, obviously a huge test and. I think we got 10, 12 games until the break. Uh, none of them easy games. And, um, you know, this is, this is the big point in the season where we, we need to get some points. And I didn't realize this until Jeremy Rutherford mentioned it when we had him on yesterday. But you worked with Adam Oates this off season. How much did that help you going into this season? Yeah, a lot. I think uh, a lot of different little skill things that uh, we worked on. And it kind of just helps you 
you slow the game down and different thought processes, um, whether it's off the rush, in zone, defensively. Um, there's been a lot of things that, that he's really helped me on. And, um, yeah, I think it's been, been huge for my development. And one of the things Drew Bannister said last night, and had you worked with Drew much at all before he became your head coach? Um, not too much. Um, obviously, I, I remember playing against him in junior a lot, um, and then we kind of graduated from junior at the same time, but um, haven't worked too much with him, uh, more so just against. Okay, but what, one thing Coach said is that you are um, a dominant defensive player now. Uh, what's it When your head coach has watched you play now for a few weeks, what do you think of, what, what, how does it make you feel when he says he's a dominant defensive player now? Yeah, I think uh, something I've worked on a lot, um, being in the right position, having a better stick, and uh, just being able to break pucks out off turnovers. Um, that's something that I uh, spent a lot of time on watching video and, and stuff in the summer. And, um, yeah, it's it's nice to see it kind of paying off a little bit. Um, still think there's a long way to go, but um, just, just steps in the right direction. Okay, uh, we have asked you before about being superstitious, and you aren't. We we know that. Joe Vitale just told us a story about how Sidney Crosby tormented him for about five <laughs> weeks during a 17-game winning streak, coming in and, and telling um, the same story every single day. Have you ever had, whether it was in your junior days or in, uh, here in the in the NHL, have you ever had a, a teammate that was kind of a psychopath in with the, the way they were superstitious? Yeah, Jordan Kyra, he is. Um, you know, he, it was a couple games ago, he said something before we were walking out and, uh, we, we've been playing well the last stretch of games. And ever since that, I think it was like six, seven games ago. Um, ever since that, he says the same thing, walking out every single game. And he laughs about it because he knows I'm going to chirp him about it. <laughs> <laughs> is is uh, what he says radio appropriate? Uh, probably not, but, okay. um, it, it's, it's funny. Just, he, he's pretty superstitious. Yeah. It, do you get a kick out of it? It's gotta be kind of, in some ways, kind of funny. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know it's coming and he knows I'm going to laugh at him. So, uh, it's, it's pretty good. Cool. And it was Star Wars theme last night. What did you think of Jordan Kyrou's bobblehead, his Star Wars bobblehead? Pretty cool. Uh, I haven't seen a bobblehead where like, there's like a helmet on it that comes on and off. So. I thought that was pretty neat, and um, yeah, I don't know if he's the biggest Star Wars guy, but I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, so uh, I thought it was pretty cool. So, do you have one of the bobbleheads? Is it going to be decor- uh, is it going to be displayed in your home? Not yet. I will. I will get one of them. Um, hopefully, he gives me one, but um, I will definitely have it somewhere. Yeah. Very cool. Hey, congratulations again on making the All-Star team. We're proud of you. We're excited that uh, you're a member of our 101 ESPN family. And go get them tomorrow in Carolina. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. That is uh, Robert Thomas. Hey, now, he's an all-star. Get his game game on. on. Go Go play. play. We didn't decide how many times we were going to do it, and so I kind of screwed that up. Yeah, it's okay. He did did chuckle. I think he liked it. I think we have beautiful voices, honestly. He he said you can't tell the difference. I couldn't tell the difference, honestly. You could play them side by side. Now... Do you think that he knows it? Because Robert is a little bit younger. He knows. He knows it from Smash Mouth or from the Shrek movies. Shrek. Absolutely. Yeah. No doubt about it. Did it come out at the same time? I can't remember. No, I think the the song was Before. pretty well after. 
or was it before? No. Before, the before the movie. Yes. Yeah, the movie came out pretty well after the, the yes. song. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we've got a quick rush hour reset for you, and then the fight on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hey, on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Good win for the Blues last night at home against the Vancouver Canucks. 2-1, I would argue, the best win of the year for your St. Louis Blues. We're back in action tomorrow night, taking on Carolina. 5 o'clock pregame, 6 o'clock faceoff here on 101 ESPN. And the Blues have 39 points after last night's victory. And they're two points out of the final wildcard spot, which at the moment is held by Seattle. Four points out of first place in the wildcard race. And a ways to go to catch up to Dallas for third in the Central Division. But a great win. Robert Thomas, the new All-Star with an assist in the game-winning goal. Robbie, Tommy. Tommy. Enjoyed our singing. It was great to be able to sing to him and congratulating him for being an all-star because he deserves it. Hey now, he's an all-star. Hey now, he is an all-star. Now go play. There you go. Coach mentioned that he's maturing and really maturing is when the media does something that you can't react to one way you want to and you give them the correct reaction. That's maturity and that's exactly what we saw this morning. He handled our immaturity very well, which makes him very mature. So (laughs) props to Robert Thomas for that. But um, no, that was to me, that was the Robert Thomas game. He gets announced Mm -hmm. prior to the game that he's going to be an all star. And then his performance during that game was huge. We've seen that progression for him. I like that detail that Jeremy Rutherford told us yesterday about him working with Adam Oates. You've seen that, that Robert Thomas, when we're talking about those big contracts and getting the most out of it out of him and Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas has taken steps forward every single season. And that's what you want. You feel really encouraged by that. Yeah, And it's great to have him be around these players too. He he, he's always like working with Adam Oates. Uh, he loved watching Jonathan, Jonathan Taves yes. as a kid, as Jer- Jeremy Rutherford mentions in his piece. Uh, he's been compared to Patrice Bergeron. He grew up around the Kachucks. I mean, he's been able to see a lot of great players. It'll be great to see him in this environment with other great players. Even we didn't ask him. We will next week about playing three on three mm-hmm. in, in the All-Star game because that'll be fun too. The Cardinals announced yesterday, John Denton of MLB.com reporting that Tommy Edmond underwent October wrist surgery, should be ready for spring training. And my hope is that that wrist injury was a contributor to his offense kind of falling off towards the end of the season. That would make a lot of sense, wouldn't it? If that was a factor in it. Now, it always is concerning because we're hearing about it now, Mm -hmm. right? And there were some indications that maybe it was discussed, just that John didn't. But Randy, this is what we're talking about. If you have an end-of-season press conference, those things can be addressed then. Of the injuries, the surgery, we're expecting. We knew that Dylan Carlson would be getting surgery on his ankle, so he underwent that during, was that towards the end of the season? Towards or, the end, yeah. Yeah, it was towards the end of the season. Dylan Carlson has surgery, so he should be recovered and ready to go, and hopefully everything has worked out well with Tommy Edmond and his recovery, and he should be ready to go by the start of the season. But Randy, with what we saw last year and what we've seen before, health of the outfield, that is also a big factor into the Cardinals' success, because it felt like last year, the only reason you had infielders in the outfield is because there was just so many injuries that we saw in the outfield over and over again. So when you hear wrist, you start to get mm-hmm. the alarm bells kind of go off a, a little bit. And if Edmund can't do it in center field for whatever reason, hopefully Dylan Carlson gets healthy and can do what he did in his rookie year, maybe improve upon what he did in his rookie year. And then you need to have Newt Barham Walker healthy on the corners. Yes. And then Alec Burleson, I guess. There's another left-handed power hitter. Uh-huh. The Cardinals think he's going to be a 
power hitter. Uh, that's another guy that hopefully uh, will be able to perform at a reasonably high level. Also this morning, Ken Rosenthal reporting that he's hearing that the Cardinals are one of the teams that has shown interest in Dylan Cease of the White Sox. He lists the Yankees and the Orioles as the main suitors, and he writes, Ken Rosenthal does, the White Sox trying to inject additional talent seem virtually certain to move Cease, their most valuable trade commodity. They're staying open-minded on the composition of the return and are not necessarily inclined to favor a team that could include major league-ready pitching. Mm, yeah, I, I like that the Cardinals are at least in this conversation because that'd be crazy if they weren't, Randy, right? You should be doing your due diligence and checking in because what have we said over and over again? We, we're fine with the starting rotation. It just feels like that number one is still missing. If you had that, you would feel absolutely great about this offseason. You said earlier, Nolan Arenado would be skipping around, mm-hmm. probably going into spring training, if you were able to acquire Dylan C's via trade. But the biggest question mark is, is what in the world will the White Sox be asking? Because there's a reason why some teams have been hes- hesitant, is because the White Sox are asking, it seems like, quite a bit. They want quantity and quality in return for Dylan Cease. Which is what you give up for a premier talent. That's what, When you get a premier talent, you've got to give up a lot to get it. And mm-hmm. uh, Unless the guy is demanding to come to your team, which I don't think he is. So hopefully that'll be the case. That's today's Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a late edition of The Fight. Stick around. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Good morning and welcome back to the opening drive. Brooke Grimsley here alongside Randy Carricker and Matthew Rocchio. And it is now time for the fight. And our fighter today is Kyle. Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brooke. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing great. You ready to take on Randy in the fight? I sure am, as long as there are no references to the Lars Newt Bar fan club. Oh, there we go. Yeah, no no Lars references today. Uh, yeah, that's cringeworthy. Oh, no! Uh, yeah. Kyle, <laughs> yeah, I was, I was liking you this morning. You don't like the Lars Newt Yeah, she's on, she's on Randy's side oh, now. Oh, <laughs> man, I was rooting for you, Yeah, Kyle. she's on Randy's side. Hey, right. I'm sorry. I that's painful. Uh, <laughs> man. Well, one day, one day we'll get you to convert over to the fan club, Kyle, okay? Uh, no. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I, won't, I won't hold my breath. How about that? We'll get started with question number one. Are you ready, Kyle? Yes, I am. All right. Who is the last non-power five Notre Dame's uh, non-five non-power five Notre Dame school to finish number one in the final AP poll and claim the NCAA football national championship? <coughs> Excuse me. Is it BYU, TCU, or Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Who is the only Cardinal to ever have five extra base hits in one game? Is that Mark Witten, Albert Pujols, or Matt Carpenter? That might, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Matt Carpenter. Matt Carpenter. 
what year was Lars Newt Bar born? No, I'm no. just kidding. <laughs> there you go. That, there you that, go. I was trying to get you, Kyle. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, question number three. After two even strength points last night, Robert Thomas has, has moved into a three-way tie at second for the league lead in even strength points. Which Western Conference skater leads the league with 38? Is it Connor McDavid, JT Miller, or Nathan McKinnon? Nathan McKinnon. And which NHL Hall of Famer is the only player in league history to have a game with double-digit points? Is that Anton Statsny, Maurice Rocket Richard, or Daryl Sittler? Rocket. All right, Kyle, we will double-check our score. We will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Kyle, how are you feeling? I tried to sneak in a Lars Newbar question <laughs> for you, but how are you feeling other than that? We tried to shake you up a little bit. Oh, I was shook up because they're all hockey. I am not a hockey <laughs> aficionado. No. Okay. All right. Well, you feel pretty good other than that about your guesses? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so. <laughs> all right. Randy walked in dressed very dapper today, might I say. Randy, say hi to I Kyle. Thought. Kyle, good morning. How you doing? I am fantastic. Look forward to seeing you at TJ's game uh, one day next week. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Nice. I'm looking forward to that. Kyle does not like any Lars Newbar questions. I tried to sneak one in there, but he doesn't like the Lars Newbar fan club, Randy. I was rooting oh, for him on. until that. Well, not anymore. Not anymore. Um, that quickly dissipated, Kyle. <laughs> does that mean we have a Lars Newbar? I should have just turned no, it. I should have just made it Lars Newbar <laughs> trivia. I, if Anyways. I would have known, I, I would have added one. <laughs> All right, Randy, you ready to take out Kyle in the fight? I'm ready. Question number one. Who was the last non-Power 5 Notre Dame school to finish number one in the final AP poll and claim the NCAA Football National Championship? Okay, hold on here. Non-Power la- non 5 and Notre Dame. And Notre, yes. Sorry, and Notre Dame. Because they're essentially a Power 5 yes. school. It's just, it's just a weird addendum I had to write in there. I believe, and th- th- this is just right off the top of my head, I'm going to go with the 1984 BYU, t- uh, BYU, whatever they are. Cougars. Cougars. <laughs> Uh, here's an amazing fun fact for you. 1984, BYU wins the national championship. In 1984, we didn't have all sports radio. ESPN was in its infancy. Uh, and I was producing the morning show for that week at, at KMOX and had BYU's head coach on the air the night after they had won the national championship, Lavelle Edwards. Got him on the air to do an interview with uh, with Bill Wilkerson. That's insane. Isn't that uh, wild? I think <laughs> it was wild. I'm going to go with BYU. All right. Uh, who is the only Cardinal to ever hit five extra base hits in one game? Marp, Cubs, 2018. I'm going to go with uh, Matt Carpenter, maybe three homers and two doubles. Marp. After his two even strength points last night, Robert Thomas has moved into a three-way tie. tie. <laughs> Clap, clap, clap. At second for the league lead in even strength points. Which Western Conference skater leads the league with 38? Western Conference leader. I will uh, do the, the lifeline here, Brooke. Connor McDavid, JT Miller, or Nathan McKinnon? Connor McDavid has a ridiculous amount of points this season. I'm just going to go with him because he's got way more points than anybody else. All right, Randy. Which NHL Hall of Famer is the only player in league history to have a game with double-digit points? Hall of Famer, double-digit points. Okay, uh, so I I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. I thought Daryl Sittler had. Uh, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but Daryl Sittler had a seven-goal game. 
Somebody way back in uh, old-timey days, I think, had more uh, double-digit points. I I think Sittler had seven goals, but I don't know if he had the assist. And I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but I already used my lifeline. So I will go with uh, Daryl Sittler, who I think is the only person to have more goals in a game than the redhead Red Berenson. All right. An extremely close fight today. Randy Carricker trying to keep his winning streak and move it on to, I believe this would be 17 fights straight. Did he do it? Or did Kyle, the new bar hater, come in and take it away? <laughs> Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. I'm... I'm sorry, Kyle. Randy Carricker, he just got you with that last question. He beat you 3-2 to two today. Wow. Yep, yeah, you, you did a good job there. Let's go through those questions and answers. Randy Carricker had it right on the first one. It was BYU in 1984, the last non-Power 5, plus Notre Dame because of that mm-hmm. whole thing, to finish number one in the final AP poll. Last Cardinal to ever to hit five extra base hits in one game was, in fact, the newly salsa-kinged Matt Carpenter, who went off for three home runs and two doubles against the Cubs. After his two even-strength points last night, Robert Thomas trails uh, Nathan McKinnon for the league lead in even-strength points. Connor McDavid has, like, 25 power play points. It's ridiculous. Um, And which NHL Hall of Famer is the only player in league history to have a game with double-digit points? Daryl Sittler is a Hall of Famer Mm. and is the only one to do it. Seven goals, three assists for the only 10-point game in NHL history. Thank you, Kyle, so much for joining the fight and joining the show today oh not a problem thank you all so much for having me still still love you kyle i'm gonna slowly (laughs) convert you to the cult okay (laughs) i'm working on it have a great weekend and a happy new year uh coming up we're going to visit with our friend Derek gold he's a beat writer for the cardinals for the st louis post dispatch and the baseball writers dinner is coming up one week from sunday we're going to talk a little bit about that coming up on 101 espn you're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. The trickle of baseball news continues to come in day by day. Yesterday, the Braves awarding a contract extension to their new left-hander, Chris Sale. And a week from tomorrow, or a week from Sunday is the annual baseball writers dinner at the MAC. And Derek Gould, who covers the Cardinals for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and STLToday.com, joins Brooke and Randy on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Derek, it's always good to have you with us. Thanks for the time. How are you doing? You bet. Good, guys. Happy New Year. Thanks, Happy for, New thanks Year. for having me. We're glad to. And we had a meeting the other day, and it'll be a, a fun baseball writer's dinner as we celebrate, uh, certainly not least, the the 2004 uh, National League champions. And, and I was telling people the other day, it's amazing to me that that team, which is the best Cardinal team I've ever seen, was 20 years ago. Huh. Yeah, uh, that was the first team I covered. So oh. here we go, 20 years, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was quite a ride, that group. I mean, you think back to that summer, um, you know, it was the summer that Yadier Molina debuted. It was the August that they added Larry Walker, who uh, is now a Hall of Famer, um, has his plaque up there in Cooperstown and everything. Um, it was, what, a, a, gosh, the best year of Scott Rowland's career. Now he's a Hall of Famer with a plaque up there in Cooperstown. I mean, you know, that group, when you think about just just its Cooperstown accolades in a few years, if – well, it's not if, it's when. Albert Pujols is there, Molina's there, Tony's already there. I mean, you just start adding them up, and what a remarkable team. This, I think that, that two-year span, Randy, the 04, 05, just that group, that team, it, it's got to stand up there with – 
um, the 40s team, and maybe even above it as one of the best as the best team in Cardinals history. Yeah, half half of your starting eight in the Hall of Fame with as yeah. a, right, and then <laughs> you could have made made an argument, a real solid argument, I thought for Jim Edmonds too, and and what? the other guys. Yeah. I mean, you, you didn't have chopped liver with uh, whether it was Edgar Renteria at short, uh, who was who was a great player. You had <laughs> Reggie Sanders in left, who had his probably best years with the Cardinals, and then the pitching staff was amazing. And we'll get an, an opportunity to hear from people like Jason Marquis and. Steve Klein and, and Ray King. How can people get tickets for the writer's dinner? They go to stlbbwaa.com. Uh, or I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Sorry, sorry, sorry. St. Louis spelled out. S-T-Louis-B-B-W-A-A. Sorry. Um, dot com. And, uh, or you can Google uh, St. Louis Baseball Writers Chapter or go to, uh, if your preference is to go to the the site formerly known as Twitter. Um, it's at St. Louis, S-T, Louis, B-B-W-A-A, and all the information is there. It's, it's at the MAC. Um, there are tickets available. There are a few tickets available for the VIP event, which is a Q&A session with uh, the Cardinals' young rising stars and Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, obviously two close friends. Um, they're going to have a conversation uh, part of the, the VIP ticket there, um, but only a few seats are remaining for that. And, of course, there's the dinner, which, uh, as you said, will we'll celebrate the 04 team, um, but culminate with, with the honors um, and celebration of Adam Wainwright's career and then the, the presentation of our highest honor to, uh, to Tony La Russa, uh, and the Hall of Famer, who we already mentioned. Wow. I mean, that is something that you have to go to because that is just a treat to see everybody in the room together. But Derek, I wanted to ask you about the big news that everybody was talking about yesterday and we were discussing it, too, is Tommy Edmond recovering from an offseason wrist surgery. What is your concern level about that and his recovery going into the season? Uh, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, he had talked about toward the end of the season, you know, that, that kind of rigidity, I guess, is a way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of limits in his wrist. Um, the idea is to free it up somewhat similar to what Dylan Carlson had with his ankle in the sense that it was uh, surgery to then improve um, you know, range of motion. I know that uh, John Denton with MLB.com reported yesterday the details of, uh, of Edmonds' surgery. Um, it's, it's one that had been asked about. In fact, a few different surgeries have been asked about. And, um, you know, as a group, we had been told nothing had been done. So that's, Kind of, that's the bigger concern from my from my perspective is if you ask directly about something and they, they say it didn't happen and then it did happen that's that's a larger concern um, just from a reporter's perspective mm-hmm. um, but uh, but as far as like his recovery and what it means I think you know always with the wrist you're always concerned right any anything like when you talk about a hitter the wrist and feet right so you know that the base and the the wrist. Those are the areas where you kind of go, okay, well, what's, what, when does the grip strength come back? When does the strength of the base come back? These are the two elements. Um, but, you know, there's a track record of recovery. There's a timetable of recovery with these two things, both in Dylan's case and in Tommy Edmonds' case, that they can rely on that puts them, uh, you know, at least like on track to be ready for games in the spring. Um, you know, if they ease into it, then that's, that's, kind of what spring's for as long as, you know, they'll come in physically fit and strong and with no limitations, and then they'll kind of ramp things up. So I don't, I don't think the level of concern for his readiness is there for the team. Um, and, and you know, if anything, there's there's the hope that, like, okay, well, 
how that was limiting him. And then again, like with Dylan, how it was limiting him, very much limiting him, how that could help them, um, you know, perform better offensively. Derek Gould with us. He covers the Cardinals for stltoday.com and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And Derek, as you know, throughout the course of this offseason, the Cardinals have been connected to trade talks for Dylan Cease, the latest mm-hmm. reporting of that from Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic this morning. What are you hearing? The Cardinals already have three starting pitchers in regards to their interest in another starting pitcher, whether it's Cease or somebody else. Yeah, not much has changed. Um, you know, I, I read the, the report. I know what, the, know what was said there, that the, the Cardinals are possibly one in the mix. I mean, the Cardinals have been. You know, have been interested in sticking in those conversations. Um, they made that clear. Uh, you know, when talking with Mosaic and others around him and kind of know, folks in the know of what the Cardinals are trying to do, they, they, the phrase was that they don't didn't expect to be in the free agent starting market, but they wanted to at least be aware or be ready to engage if there's a trade to be had for somebody who would – perceptively change or substantively change is probably a better way, the rotation. So Dylan Cease would qualify as that. You know, Tyler Glass now was one um, that fit that description. Um, you know, haven't really, and maybe this is a family on my end, um, but it's not for lack of trying, really connected them to Shane Bieber, who is also out there as available. Um, there have been a few other things like, you know, could, what could they do to, to what other starters are out there that maybe aren't being talked about as much. Um, but Cease continues to come up, um, especially because the White Sox are trying to figure out how best to um, get the biggest return from him and the timing of that. Uh, general sense was it would be after Yamamoto um, if, say, the Yankees didn't get Yamamoto, which they did not, then does that make them more urgent to make a deal? Um, if the Dodgers did not get Yamamoto, then certainly that make, does that make them more urgent to get a deal and they have the better um, farm system to deal from. You saw what the the Red Sox were able to get from Atlanta and for Chris Sale, and certainly the White Sox want to do better than that mm-hmm. uh, for for Cease. And so it's a matter of getting the demand higher than the supply. Now, does that take Snell signing next? That's kind of what the that's where the White Sox are right now, and the Cardinals want. You know, the Cardinals are. They I don't know, I don't know how aggressive they are. Um, but I know that they've been drawn in because they have some of the young pieces that teams want. Um, you know, left-handed bats are in demand. Uh, versatile players are in demand. High on base percentage or, you know, metric darlings are in demand. Um, the Cardinals are not eager or looking or interested in training large new bar. But they have some depth there at second base. Um, they have some depth elsewhere in the outfield that they'll talk, and that's going to draw them into these conversations too. What about with relievers that are available right now in free agency? As you kind of mentioned there, it's very a very fluid situation of what the Cardinals could be looking at. Do you think that mm-hmm. there's any relievers that are out there in free agency that would be a good fit for the Cardinals? Yeah, I wrote about that today. There, um, in today's post dispatch, there. I mean, there there's still a handful out there. Um, you know, one is a. Um, um, recognizable name Jordan Hicks is still a free agent and he's at 27 he's remarkably young compared to some of these other starter or I'm sorry relievers who are available um is is a reunion something that he wants they the Cardinals say they've been open to that um you know they want to add some strikeout rates to their group and you know there are guys who do that too I mean there there are three members of the Houston Astros bullpen that are free agents. Um, this bullpen that has been a big part of October for over the last few years, um, their rules have kind of varied with their performances, but overall they all have October experience. They all have October success, and that group is Brian Stanek, Phil Matten, and um, 
Hector Neris, and they're all free agents still. Now, they speak also to the volatility of relievers. Are you, are are the past few years that they've had, which have been good for the Astros, are those trends or are those the best years they've had? And now they're going into a volatile area. Um, the Cardinals have been bit by that before um, by committing to relievers and get and saying, okay, well, this is the right trend and then having it all kind of come apart just because of the nature of the rule. Um, you know, there's a guy like Ron Brazier who the Cardinals have, you know, had interest in. He had a great second half with the Dodgers, um, started throwing a cutter, which he did not throw with the Red Sox when he had a, and he just completely flipped his ERA. I mean, he went from having a seven ERA in, in, in Boston to an 07, 0.7 ERA with the Dodgers. A remarkable turnaround, but, um, you know, he's not too far removed, too, from being a part, a, a big part of a playoff bullpen. So is that the trend line? Um, that's certainly the kind of deal that the Cardinals would be looking for, sort of that mid-range, um, especially because they've had two of the guys that they were interested, the, the pitchers coming over from Asia, sign with the Padres here recently. So still options out there, um, still options to improve that strikeout rate that the Cardinals want, still options to kind of bring some seasoning in to that. It's all about the price point. Um, and in some cases, like in Brazier, it's about the competition too. They're, they're not the only team interested. Hey, Derek, one last thing from me in regards to the Cardinals, and I've been all over the pitching and all over the defense, but I tend to overlook the fact that they were 19th in Major League Baseball and 10th in the National League in runs scored. Granted, there were a lot of injuries, and you had some drop-offs from from various players, but I want to know what you feel about the trajectory. You pay attention to trajectories. What do you feel about the trajectory of this offense? Should they be substantially better than 19th in Major League Baseball in runs scored? Yeah, and I, I think I got. I, I mean, push back if you disagree with this. But I think I think they are. Um, you know, when August first hit, they had a top seven offense in the league, and then they weren't the same team for two months. Um, big part of that was Brendan Donovan was not there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, his injury pretty substantial hit to them. Um, you know, Paul Goldschmidt talked about how he just didn't feel like himself there towards the end, was really searching for his swing. Obviously, he's a pillar of that, um, uh, of the lineup. Nolan Arenado spent most of the year really struggling, and so without the support around him, that probably was more magnified. But, you know, the team that they are, the team that they want to be, the team that they have coming back is that team that they were before August first. And they spent two thirds plus of last season as a top ten, maybe even sometimes top six lineup. Um and they they have Randy, they have the ingredients of what a successful current lineup needs. I cannot stress enough the need for left handed presence in today's game. It's just you can go I mean One of the things I looked at last year, Andy, that was so fascinating to me was when you go from the regular season to the playoffs, um, you know, the the type of relievers that teams throw at you in October just absolutely neutralize your right-handed bats. Like the average OPS during a season compared to the average OPS for right-handed bats in in October, it's dropped significantly. But left-handed bats stay the same. And that to me stands out. And you can go anecdotal too. Look who's changing games 
It's Ryan, or I'm sorry, it's Ryan. It's Corey Seager. It's Bryce Harper. It's Kyle Schwarber with his 190 batting average, but he's a fearsome presence in the postseason. Left-handed bats just over and over again. You see that value. And the Cardinals have that sprinkled into their lineup. It's not going to be like the thunder of Schwarber. Um, It's more going to be the OBP of Donovan and the OPS of um, Newbar and the slug of Gorman, but they got it. And that's going to be so valuable to them if they can keep those three guys healthy and in the lineup and consistently performing. Derek Gold, always great to get your terrific information both at stltoday.com and in the Post-Dispatch. And looking forward to the Baseball Writers' Dinner again, January 14th. And all people need to do is Google St. Louis BBWAA. Yeah, thank you, Randy, for uh, being a part of it, for helping us organize it. And it's all for a good cause. We use it to uh, fund scholarships um, for young students interested in journalism. And, of course, uh, it helps us pay for the uh, Rick Hummel internship, which has been just such a signature and really a unique thing. It's unlike anything any baseball writer chapter does in the country. And uh, that's all made possible by the dinner. It's really important. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. Yeah, you bet, guys. Have a great weekend. See you. Thank Take you. Care. Derek Gould, our friend from the Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. That was a lot of very interesting information, even going back to the beginning of what he was saying about Tommy Edmond, because I was kind of confused about the timeline of when we were all finding this out, right? Because from what I could gather just based off social media yesterday is John didn't had it in his story, but then also some people had noticed that Tommy Edmond had something on his wrist and some recent photos, and that's what really sparked this conversation going on. So it is interesting to hear Gould say that it was something that was new for a lot of people to find out especially even on the beat writer side yeah and hopefully he will tommy edmund will be ready for spring training coming up we'll preview the weekend in the nfl we're gonna head down the stretch with a a little rock and roll here for you but nfl news and previews for you next on 101 espn you're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 espn presented by dobbs tire and auto centers Joe Buck has the ESPN call for the Colts tomorrow night as they take on... Who are they playing? I don't know. Does anybody pay attention to the Colts? No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I do have a... You're talking about like Titan Scouts at this point or what? Uh, no! If Indianapolis <laughs> wins tomorrow, Indianapolis uh, would clinch a playoff berth if they can win and... Uh, no, they're winning in. Mm-hmm. If, if, Against the Texans. If, if they tie and Pittsburgh loses or ties, then the Colts are in. Mm-hmm. They're Buffalo is Texans. winning in. Miami has already clinched a playoff berth. Is this true? Yes. So, uh, but Buffalo can win the division mm-hmm. if uh, if they win. M- Miami already has a playoff berth. But there are several winning in. Buffalo is the most obvious in the AFC, in the NFC. If the Green Bay Packers win their game, they're in. Wow. Who would have thought that the Green Bay Packers could be winning in in Week 18? No, I don't think anybody was really expecting it. But then that's a lot of credit to Jordan Love and the way that he's been able to really lead this young team. I mean, my mm-hmm. expectations weren't that high when you're ushering in that new era. But it seems like they have taken the right steps of preparing their young quarterback and building things around him. And he's taken some leadership in that. Right. The Jags are also winning in, uh, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they need either a win or a tie and a Pittsburgh loss or tie. And another team that I am surprised by is Pittsburgh. Yes. If they win and Buffalo loses, Pittsburgh is in. If 
the Pittsburgh wins and Jacksonville loses, Pittsburgh is in. And if the Steelers win and Houston and Indianapolis tie, then Pittsburgh is in. I wouldn't count on the tie if I were them. No. But Pittsburgh, <laughs> I think, has a pretty good chance. Trevor Lawrence, questionable for the game, hasn't practiced all week. Mm-hmm. So Jacksonville certainly is capable of losing. I would think that Miami would still want to win their division. And if they yeah. do, they can knock Buffalo out of the playoffs, theoretically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a huge thing for Miami and Buffalo. This Miami team, though, feels a little bit different here down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it feel like that? And especially losing Bradley Chubb. Yes. That's their big pass rusher, and they won't have Xavier Howard, their number one corner, even though uh, Jalen Ramsey has performed at a pretty high level since coming back for them. The Dolphins still have their offense, but their defense has taken some major hits over the course of the last couple of weeks, especially last week in that loss to Baltimore with the losses of Chubb and Howard. And if my so if Miami loses to Buffalo, then they'll have to face the Chiefs. Which would be really an interesting game, wouldn't it? Tyreek Hill would make his return to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And I would think that that'd be a game that Miami would have a chance to go on the road and win, even though it'll be cold. Hard to imagine the... It depends on the weather. If it's ridiculously cold in KC that day, and you've got a rested Chiefs team, and I think Travis Kelsey, man, he looks slow. He needs some rest. And I think Mahomes, they Mm -hmm. just need to kind of reset. They need to hit the reset button. If there's a team in the playoffs that needs to, I think it's KC. 100%. They they need that reset right now. Just It feels like to mentally get themselves back into where they need to be offensively, because that's what you're waiting on, right? Mm -hmm. I think that that's why we've still been waiting on the Chiefs, or we've been at least having them still in the conversations, because you're like, okay, Chiefs defense is doing what they need to do. We're just waiting for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid to figure it out. And it feels like they still need time to do that offensively. And Tampa is at Carolina, the hapless Panthers. Okay, so (laughs) here's what we have, Brooke, in terms of win and in. When we come in Monday, only one team that was win and in got the win and in. Okay, so it's either Tampa Bay Mm -hmm. or it's Green Bay, and they play the Bears. Minnesota needs a Green Bay loss. Tampa Bay, Green Bay, uh, Atlanta needs help. Tampa Bay, Green Bay, Buffalo, or Jacksonville? Who do you got? Ooh. Only one of those four wins and is in. It might be. I, I either want to go. I was going to either go Packers or Buffalo because Buffalo, they have now won four games, right? Four mm-hmm. consecutive games. Yep. But still feels like there's something shaky there with the Bills. I, I might go with Buffalo, though, I think. Okay. I, I think Jacksonville against Tennessee is a toss-up. Okay? So I don't uh, yeah. think that that's... A lock. And by the way, I didn't include Indianapolis. Indianapolis has uh, that uh, their game against Houston. Yes, I don't think the that's Texans. a lock. I think that's a that's a toss up game. A hundred percent. Anything with the AFC. So, yeah. So <laughs> that leaves me Buffalo, Green Bay against mm-hmm. the Bears, or Tampa Bay against Carolina. You know, I'm going to take the team that's playing the worst team. I'm going to take Tampa Bay. Okay. If only one makes it. I could see Justin Fields stepping up and beating the Packers. I could see the Dolphins finding a way to beat Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I can obviously see Jacksonville losing their game or Indianapolis losing their game. I'm going to go with Tampa Bay as my one win and in if there is one on Monday morning that has done it. I can see that. I think that that's a good pick with that. What about this season for the Bucks? How do you feel about it overall? They could be the first team in the history of the NFL to make the playoffs in back-to-back years while going 500 in their in their games. They would they they can go 17 and 17 and they would need a Green Bay loss and a Seattle loss if they lost their game. But if they do, 
they could go 17 and 17 over the course of two years and make the playoffs both years. I don't think that that's very good. I think no. 500 is pretty average. Actually, I think it's very, I think it's ultimately average. It's very middling, especially yeah. for, for what you're looking at or expecting. But, I mean, how much stake do you put in the story of Baker Mayfield being able to somewhat at least start his campaign or... I guess you could say his reincarnation in some ways. Yeah, but he's got a rib injury, too. He might not be able to go, so that'd be bad. But I still think the the Panthers are so bad Mm -hmm. that I think Tampa will be be able to win the game. I'm kind of rooting for the Packers, though, to be the the winning in. I I am, too. That's an exciting young team, and that should be a good game as well. Young being the operative word here. Since the NFL went to a 16-game schedule in 1978, if the Packers win and make the playoffs— They'll be the youngest team since the advent of the 16-game schedule in 1978 to make the playoffs. Wow. Jordan Love does not have a target that has more than two years of experience. That's incredible. It's amazing. That is. And they're going to get rid of David Bakhtiari, and uh, so they'll get even younger. Coming up next, we're going to head down the stretch with Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock today. on the YouTube. All you need to do is go to YouTube.com and type in 101 ESPN STL. We'd love to have you subscribe to the 101 ESPN YouTube channel, but you can always watch us on the Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. And if you missed any part of our show today, Derek Gould talking about the Cardinals, Jay Delsing talking about Rory McIlroy, the great Joe Vitale story about Sidney Crosby, you can hear it on our podcast brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers at 101ESPN.com or on the 101 ESPN app. All right, Matthew, Rockio, what do you got for us? We don't talk a lot about the NBA on this show, and that's a travesty, but I uh, I, pl- I play the game I have to play, and I understand uh-huh. that. But when you have a game like last night, um, I, I'm not I'm not playing your all's game, and I'm going to talk about the NBA because you had the Bucks and the Spurs last night, and it was an unbelievable battle between Giannis Antetokounmpo and his fellow unicorn, uh, Victor Wembenyana. Uh, Giannis had, what was it, 44-14-7-2. Wembenyana, not as atomic, but still 27 nine and five the five by the way is blocks including one where he where Giannis was lined up directly on him in the post and you think I'm seven feet tall I'm Giannis out of the Kumpo I am the unicorn well friend that's a seven foot four one that's that's on your back and he blocked the living daylights out of that shot there's nothing I love more than watching two freak athletes go at each other like they did last night. That was incredible to watch. It was unbelievable, and I was watching when that block occurred, and it was Woo! ridiculous. Okay, point of parliamentary procedure. 100%. Yes, if yes. you have two unicorns, does that, does that make them duo corns? Oh! Oh! oh. sir. Touche yes. duo corns. You're right. Yes! Yeah, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. That makes 100% so there we go. Sense. But man, the NBA last night, your nuggets, man. And that's uh, the- 27 to 4 down the stretch <laughs> against Golden State. Yeah, the, the, the biggest um, thing I saw was uh, 724 left in the game. The Nuggets were down 121 103. So 724, they're down by 18. They would need then score um, 27 points. 21 of them were from Aaron Gordon and Jokic combined. Aaron Gordon had 12 points across that seven-minute stretch across uh, five buckets and two free throws. Uh, Jokic had nine points, including including the final shot of the game, and here's how it sounded on the broadcast. Jokic has it. Clock ticks. Got to put one up. Jokic for the win. Oh! It's good! Jokic got it off in time! 
ESPN clocks it as a 40-footer for the win for Nikola Jokic, and the Nuggets walk away 131-27. An incredible comeback, and your reigning MVP puts a, oh, the, the dot wow. on the eye. Guys, I am... Uh, I, I would be the worst NBA fan because I, I'm a sports fan. I can't tell you how many times I go to bed and there's seven and a half minutes left in an NBA game and I say, this is over, I'm yep. going to bed. And then I get up the next morning and there's a massive comeback. Exactly. It happens to me all the time. Yeah, you just have to stick around till the very end. Okay, so is he also in a unicorn category or should we give him another nickname? Jokic? Or, yes. I do we put he, him, what category I, do we put I him in? I think that he's different. And as was mentioned during the broadcast last night, he is a seven foot, three hundred and ninety pound. He looks like it at least. Uh, point guard. He's mm-hmm. ridiculous. I, I just can't believe it. Three one four four. Uh, texted. It's crazy how boring the NBA is. Oh man. I mean, like, not usually do people send texts to us that I could directly translate into "I'm ignorant," but every once in a while we get a couple, and that's it. You, we're literally talking about how you had giants on this, like giants who walk this earth. Rumbling arenas for an, for two different games last night. I mean, you, I mean, literally, it's you and the ancient Greeks who get a chance to watch giants walk this earth and do wild stuff, and you're complaining about it. You're not taking advantage of watching it. Turn on the TV, my friends. Get involved. Watch, just watch a game. And these are the best athletes in the world. These are seven footers, seven mm-hmm. foot ballet dancers. It's unbelievable how graceful they are and what athletic ability they have. Yeah, even with Wimby, with his size, Crazy. for him to be able to do that, it's very interesting to watch. When you sent that photo of when you were able to see, or is that you or is that Carrie? They got to see him. Carrie, Carrie got to see him. Oh, when when CD showed us that photo. It's insane looking, you know, just the way that his yeah. his body and the way that he's able to move. He shouldn't be able to do that at his size. And compared to what it used to be, it's so boring. Yeah, you know, back when Nate, back when Wilt and Russell and Nate Thurman were going at each other, just a, a bad time in the NBA. Or, you know, in the 90s when Patrick Ewing and Akeem Olajuwon and Tim Duncan and Shaquille O'Neal. I, I really never had fun watching seven-footers just break my brain with how athletic they are. Somebody said Jokic is a Serbian horse he rides a lot of Serbian horses. You That's might get, his off-season training, right? You might get, you might get confused right? there. He's actually a Serbian god. Mm. There you go. A little, little, di- little different. Little different. All right. Uh, that'll do it for our our little show today. We appreciate our you. Li- uh, our little, little show. Our little show, yeah. Great job <laughs> by our producer and audio and video engineer, the one, the only, Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Brooke, was this fun? Yes. And How hey about now, that? How you're about an all-star. That? How about that? Get your, Get your game, game on. on. Go, go play. Hey, now. No, you're an all-star. A rock star. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We need to go to some karaoke and work on this, yeah, guys. I think so. <laughs> but Robert Thomas loved it. He said we, he couldn't tell the difference between us and Smash Mouth, which is cool. And he totally meant that. Yeah, yeah no he doubt totally about it. He totally meant that. Yeah. He wasn't joking. Hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.